Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Are you thinking about starting a podcast but don't know where to start? Let me take a second to tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need, all one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor... You can distribute your podcast across a plethora of listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the big ones. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, completely free. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, do yourself a favor and check out anchor.fm or download the app to get started. Hey everyone, if you're enjoying Inquiries of Our Reality, do me a favor and drop me a review or rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. While you're at it, come join the Discord or Telegram groups for the show. If you haven't already, don't forget to follow me across social media to stay updated on the show. If you'd like to support the show, you can subscribe to my Patreon for just $5 a month, where you will receive early access to Inquiries of Our Reality, Big Dumb Inquiries, and Bizarre Encounters. You can also support the show by donating on Anchor or Ko-fi, which will help me upgrade equipment and hopefully eventually do this full-time so I can put out even more awesome content for you guys. If you guys want some t-shirts or other awesome merchandise for Increase of Our Reality, Big Dumb Increase, or Bizarre Encounters, stop by my Teespring store and get yourself something nice. If you're a creator or a listener, come check out Open Minds Media. We have an awesome community of great people who would love to meet you. From our featured creator podcast feed, to chat rooms, to even help questions, this is the place for you. For more information on the community, the podcast feed, and to stay updated on all the new things coming, check us out on social media, and all their links are available on our link tree. And last but not least, if anyone is interested in being a guest on the show, sponsoring the show, has a topic they want covered on the show, or you feel you can contribute to the show in any way, shape, or form, shoot me a message on social media or feel free to email me at increaseofourrealitypodcast at outlook.com. All the links I mentioned are in the show description. Just tap or click the link tree link to be directed. Or remember, L-I-N-K-T-R period E-E slash increaseofourrealitypodcast. Thank you so much, everyone. I appreciate all of you. And I couldn't be doing this without your support. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality, one topic at a time. This is Inquiries of Our Reality with Shane Jones. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the now 58th episode of Inquiries of Our Reality. Today with me, I have Ghost from My Third Eye Podcast. How's it going today, man? It's going good. Going good. Hot and humid over here on the East Coast. Dude, honestly, it's you're probably not too far off from me. I'm in Michigan, but yeah, hot as hell and humid. It was like mm. 98 degrees today, like yeah. real feel. And I think it was yeah. like 92 without humidity or whatever, but like, fuck, dude. <laughs> yeah, you walk out and you get blasted in the face and all of a sudden you start sweating. You're like, man, I just fucking took a shower. Dude, like, and ugh. I'm more of like a cold person personally. So mm-hmm. it's like, 
I could wear 10 coats and be fucking happy. But if it's hot outside and I feel like I'm walking into an oven and I'm wearing no shirt and I'm uncomfortable, like it's over for me. I hate it. <laughs> yep. Same here. I'd rather deal with the cold because you can only take so many clothes off before you get arrested. Exactly. <laughs> I think it's <laughs> I'm always talking about like genetics as far as like what people are geared for. And I feel like white people are obviously intended to be in the cold. Like that's kind of what we're geared towards. So nine out of 10 times, man, white people are like, damn, I wish it was cold outside. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Unless they're those weird people that just like to sweat. Cause there are people that just like to be wet and sweaty and they feel like they're, I don't know, doing something, releasing toxins, like whatever the fuck, something. but something weird with those people. <laughs> yeah. I try not to hang out with those people. I'm like, dude, you're weird. There's something wrong in your head. Then you'll see my ass in the middle of winter walking around comfortable as shit with my face half frozen. Like, yes, I love it. Love the cold. I also love yep. the quiet of winter. Yes. Yes. There's something, I don't know, uh, just special about it. It's like, I don't know. It's like a magical, you know, you, fresh snow on the ground, you go out and you in it. And it's that, that silence. Like it's like the earth and all the noises just stand still for, for that time while you're out there. It's like, oh, wow, this is neat. Like you don't hear cars. You don't hear birds, dogs, nothing. Just quiet makes the world feel smaller, but in like a good way though. Cause sometimes yes. it feels like the world is just crazy busy, but sometimes on those nice snowy days and the world feels small, you're just, it's a lot more at peace, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like a, a perfect little uh, snow globe picture. Exactly. Especially I got like my chicken coop in the backyard, all that kind of fun stuff. So like when it snows before I walk back there, it looks like an, it's just untouched with all my chickens and all my random stuff in my backyard. And it's just peaceful and nice, especially nice. like at night when it's, bright from the snow and the moon you know yeah oh i love that so i guess before we get too sidetracked about talking about weird weather and just <laughs> random you know niceties i guess uh for people that don't know why don't you uh tell them a little bit about your show and who you are and what you do well i'm ghost i uh i run the my third eye podcast over on anywhere you can get uh, a podcast and i do uh, a weekly sideshow called talk at the tavern which i released the first hour uh free but you can get that over at Patreon as well. You get the whole entire episode. And I'm working on putting out some extra content over there as well. So I want to start putting out two, maybe hopefully three episodes a week here here shortly. You know what I mean? You know, this time of year, it's it's tough to dive into that with uh, the the job I do. I'm in I'm in the building trade, so this this is our busy time of year. So you never know when you're getting off, and it's hard to hard to solidly book a guest during the week you know what i mean it's like well i yeah i usually start at five yeah that's great in the fall and winter and spring but now it's like i don't even know if i'm gonna be home by six or seven sometimes you know it's just day to day so yeah you know just love having having people on and talking crazy off the wall shit that's kind of where i'm at too anything alternative i'm interested in but I guess another good question too is like, what got you started? What was like your red pill moment or like what, what got you interested in wanting to do your podcast about your particular style? Um, the basic answer is you don't have very many people in your day-to-day life that you can talk to about some of this shit. You know what I mean? Cause they look at you like, all right, dude, you're a little out there for me, or this is way over my head, or this is too dark. I don't, I don't want to you know, look into this. I just want to think that the the world's normal. You know what I mean? And if I think that, then it, it's not going to bother me. And I have, I don't know, maybe like two people that I could in real life around me physically that I could talk to about stuff like this. And, and I was listening to podcasts for a while and I had a buddy, you know, I reached out to him a couple of years ago and 
was like, dude, you got any more podcast suggestions? You know, and I listened to a, a few and I was more on the cryptid side of things and, and ghost stories and what have you. And he goes, dude, just start your own. I'm like, ah, I can't do that. Yeah, that's not me. And, you know, not the big outgoing talking to other people type of person. And then one night I had the, the gonads and I sent Ryan Dean a message on uh, Instagram. Like, shout hey, out dude. to Dangerous World, by the way. I'm yes, also wearing the T-shirt out. at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I had mine on uh, yesterday. I had to throw it in the wash, but it, you know, being all sweaty and what have you. But yeah, uh, and to my surprise, he he hit me back and he was like, "Yeah, man, I'll, I'll show you some of the ropes." And him and I have created a great friendship, and you know, and can't can't thank him enough for showing me the water and allowing me to to take the steps, to, you know, take a drink, and then you know starting out you know you're so nervous i would never talk to people you know strangers but then i look back on it and like since 20 like 2019 right around when the the pandemic hit i got real big on not popular but real big into uh telegram and found some of these different uh channels and what have you and met some really good people and ended up starting our own little side group and what have you and we'd have these nightly and week weekend chats, you know what I mean? That looking back on it, I think that's what helped me evolve into being able to talk to, to random people from around the world at that time um, and sit down and have a conversation about all sorts of shit. You know, at the time it might've been a little QE, but you know, you get in some groups and, you know, next thing you know, you're talking about the Anunnaki or, or black eyed children or whatever the case may be. And people are just like, dude, blah, 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 you know? And, and then, like I said, Ryan showed me the ropes and did the first few episodes that were very nerve wracking uh, to say the least, but you get more comfortable over time. And, and I have, I love sitting behind the mic. I love booking new guests and looking forward to talking to new people and, you know, such as Tommy Chong, you know what I mean? I never thought as, as a, a, uh, young man and being a young kid and being a, a huge fan of Cheech and Chong when I was growing up that I'd ever talked to him. You know what I mean? It's like, wow. And he's so yeah. humble too. Like it's not so that I humble. didn't already expect that, but like he was shockingly humble compared yes. to like what I was expecting. Cause I also of course had him on my show, which this episode will drop after that. So hopefully people have heard it by then, but yeah, right. really, really good dude. Yeah. Yeah. Surprisingly. And my wife was just like, you're talking to who? And I'm like, yep. And she's like, I, I can't fucking believe this. I was like, you, I'm the one who has to do the interview. You know what I mean? <laughs> she, she just kind of laughed. But yeah, I've met ton of ton of good good new you know people and friends. You know, from doing talk at the tavern and getting other podcasters you know in touch with uh, each other, and you know setting up different you know avenues for other people to you know. Hey, I, we were at the tavern. And you were talking about this. Do you want to come on? You know, let's set up a, a you know an episode or whatever you know, here we are. So, and that's how I met you. Uh, I think, was it Joe that invited you? Yeah. Joe invited me. And I was going to yeah. say too, shout out to you for talk of the tavern. Cause, uh, I was on there with you recently and mm -hmm. we did that episode with a uh, cult of conspiracy, uh, reality czars. And then Ryan of course was on there, but mm -hmm. I noticed that right after that reality czars and cult of conspiracy did an episode together. And they're talking yes. about how they met on tavern. And then I set up something with cult of conspiracy, which will come out a little bit after this. So like you, you know, connecting people just off of that episode, like everybody's already intermixed. So it's like, it's awesome that you're doing that. Yeah. I actually was listening to their, 
they're new. Well, it was new as of Thursday, yesterday. Um, I was out making deliveries and what have you. And I was like, oh, I'll just pop this. It came up that, you know, random next one to play or whatever. And I was like, okay, I'll listen to it. And I'm listening to the conversation that they're, they're, they're talking about and they're, they're throwing hints and, and this and that. And they're like, but yeah, about the, the conversation we had last night, and, you know, in that play, you know, this and that. They never, they never name dropped the tavern, but it, it wasn't until when he's like, yeah, old boy was talking about manifesting and, and wanting to see elk. And I'm like, oh shit, he's talking about the tavern, bro. I'm like, that's fucking awesome that they, they, they hit that and clicked and, and got to, got to do an episode. And that, that's just my way of, I was given a hand up and, and free, you know, free information and, and, you know, connections to, to interview other people. And that's just my way of trying to help other people. You know what I mean? And, you know, like Julia from cosmic peach podcast, I had her on as a guest and, you know, she says, ultimately I was the reason, you know, I said, start your own podcast. You know, you can do it. You're natural. You know what I mean? And had her on for a couple more episodes and, you know, here, here she is hitting the ground running and, you know, doing her thing. So I don't know. It's great to, to help people. Yeah. You know, and that's what this community should be about you not not trying to hey i'm better than you and i got more ratings and i got more listens and da, da, da. it's like who fucking cares you know what i mean like i don't care i know ryan gets more listens than i do I, I hope to be as big if not bigger than his show someday and he hopes to be bigger than what he is now you know that's the purpose of getting into this you know don't you you can't get into it to, to get a big head if, if you catch what i'm saying yeah, no, I definitely agree too. And uh, shout out to Open Minds Media, which uh, yes. Kyle and I started, and you're also part of too, because yes. we're trying to kind of do that in a sense where mm-hmm. it's about connecting like the little people, because there's a lot of like you said, a lot of like ego stuff like that going on. And uh, yeah, we're just we're trying to bring it back to just like a smaller, more in tune thing that it doesn't matter whose show is bigger than whose. It's all about just being able to connect and get to know people, because at the root of it, man, like. There's probably there's a lot of people that are out here just to make money. And then there's a lot of people that are out here to connect. And then there's like the in-between people, which, you know, Ryan, of course, I feel is like one of those in-between people where you're trying mm-hmm. to get a good mix of both, which is ideally what you want to be. Yes. But uh, like it's just we got to br- find a way to get it back to that like center point, because even going back to the community thing, kind of what you were saying, um, like when you first get into this kind of stuff, you feel almost like lonely in the world, like you don't have anybody mm-hmm. to talk to about it. So that's when you start connecting to these communities and you start, you know, being interested in possibly doing your own podcast. And then all of a sudden you don't feel so alone because it's like I have my girlfriend where she's pretty into the things that I'm into. But if I bring up certain topics, she just kind of like pushes me off. Like if I mention anything about reptilians, that's too far out there for her. If I mentioned th- like she's interested in like paranormal stuff, like black eyed children, things like that, which I guess it's kind of extraterrestrial paranormal, depending on who you ask. But if I get like too far out there with stuff, like she's not interested and looks at me like I'm a little bit crazy and calls me that jokingly, but it's like you hop into this community and you start connecting with the right people. And, uh, like almost any weird topic you can be into, there's other people that are crazy passionate about it and you can get way deeper than you ever thought was even possible. Cause even just starting a podcast, man, it went off with like, I thought I knew a lot of shit. And then as soon as you start a podcast, it's like that next step in information where you're like, Holy shit. Like, I barely even touched the surface. And then you realize that it's like a chain of command in a sense that it's like, there's the researchers and everybody that kind of find it first. And then they kind of pass it down to the podcasters. Then the podcasters all kind of bank it up and then they pass it down to the listeners. So it's like 
unless you're in that next level tier, like the listeners are never going to get the same information that the podcasters are getting because we're like farther into it, probably also because we dedicate more time to it versus somebody just casually listening, of course. But oh, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned Open Minds Media. You are more tech savvy with, with uh, you know, starting something like that with, with Kyle, you and Kyle, whereas I'm not. And that was kind of my way of, you know, focusing on the tavern. I knew I could, you know, reach out and have people come. And it has since recently gone under, you know, a revamp, which was much needed. You always have to learn different ways to, to evolve your show. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a, right now I'm sitting, I, I know this shop talk, you know, some, some listeners like that, some don't, but you know, I have a, I have a decent bank of, of interviews already banked that, you know, I, I release weekly and, you know, looking at what I have, you know, sitting on right now, I have a, over a half a year of interviews already done that I'm just sitting, you know, and which is good because this time of year in the summer, when I, when I was saying, you know, I don't know when I'm going to get home and, and I can't book as many guests and this and that as I can in the fall In the fall, you know, I can, I can do an interview every night if I want to, it's fucking mind draw, uh, mind draining and, and takes, takes a lot out of you till, till the end of the week and what have you. But it's, it's just fun to meet people. And that's my know, thing too. Yeah. And it's like the bank's also nice too. If you want to take like a lazy week, cause then you're not like, Oh God, I got to keep up on everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, but like I said, I'm, I'm going to work on, you know, maybe revamping, you know, my third eye as well and try to put out more content, you know, and, and grow the show a, a little, little harder than, you know, I, I, to me, I hit it hard going into it. Whereas, you know, you see some people, you know, grow real slow and, and don't want to make the changes and just go after just to put episodes out without worrying about the quality and, and you know, of the audio or, you know, the production value of everything. And, you know, and I love that, that end of it, you know, when, when you sit down, you throw everything into audacity or whatever you use and you're putting your intro music and you're clipping it up to, to put the teaser in and, you know, you're just finite doing that last little thing. And when you're done, you, you, you kind of listen back, you know, and make sure you have everything blended right and you convert it to MP3. And then you, you listen, you know, kind of listen to it to, to see the final product. And you're just like, wow, I fucking did that. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, I hope other people enjoy what, what I'm doing, but it, you know, if they don't, they don't, they just won't listen. I, you know, I have no idea who, who listens and who doesn't, you know what I mean? I, I can go by, you know, the, the thing on, you know, uh, anchor, you know, to see, get a rough idea of, you know, what category and, and genre or, you know, age group or whatever, you know, wants to listen, but I don't specifically know. And I kind of like that, you know what I mean? It's like, Cause if I knew who was listening and stopped, I'd be like, Oh shit, I have to worry about each individual one. Why'd they stop? You know what I mean? Nah, just fuck it. Go with it. You know what I mean? It's one of those rules too, that I've kind of heard where it's like, I, I, there's two ways of going at it. You're either one doing your show for you or you're doing it for listeners. And as far mm-hmm. as like I go, I'm doing it for me. And if I get listeners, it's always appreciated. So at that point, it's like, I'm always happy to upgrade and like change my show as needed. And as I see fit. Um, but once you start worrying about like, who it is specifically, I feel like it starts taking away from the quality of your show and the aspect of like, it's not you anymore. It's more so fitting right. what other people want. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, I- I'm surprised when I look at my demographics and I don't, I like, I look at them just cause I'm curious, but it doesn't really change anything for me either. But 
Like, it seems like my demographic is, I think it said like my, my majority of my listeners are like 30 to 40. If, if I'm not mistaken, and I don't have a lot of like younger listeners. And it's like, when I sit back and listen to what I'm saying, like, it makes sense. Like I don't fit in with millennials anyways. That's like half the reason why I'm doing this podcast and everybody, I'm like one of the younger guys in the grand scheme of everything. And I don't really get along with the other people my age typically. (laughs) So, right. But I guess it kind of shows through in that sense, but it's like, I'm always surprised too at like how many different countries my stuff pops up into. Like I'm at my list yeah. is like 40 or 50 different countries, like China, Russia, like what the fuck? There's people literally listening to me rant and bitch in Russia. Like, yeah, what? yeah, it's crazy. I remember when, when I first started the first couple months, you know, I'd, I'd look at that and I'd be like, Hey babe, Hey, we're in Czechoslovakia. She's like, what? I'm like, yeah, someone in Czechoslovakia is listening to me. She just starts laughing. She's like, wow, that, that's crazy. I can't believe that. And, you know, and, and then like I'll sit there and be driving. I'll be thinking I'll be like, I never thought. I mean, if you if you think about it, we are the new form of, of journalists nowadays and, and putting out uh, basically news and, and information. And I was like, you know, driving. I'm like, wow, I can't believe I'm I'm what they call a content creator, uh, uh, maybe a journalist and. You know, I'm 58 a, a episodes deep and I still feel weird calling myself a podcaster, even though I feel like I have that title now. Yeah, but I still don't feel like I have it in the back of my mind, though. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think I think I think that that'll take a while to to get out because I, I, I'm kind of the same way. You know what I mean? Because, you know, I, hell, I'm still starstruck when when certain other podcasts, you know, reach out or, you know, compliment me or you know, say yes to coming on the tavern. Like I couldn't believe the very first time Graham from Grimerica is like, yeah, I'll hop on. And I was just like, holy shit, the Graham from fucking Grimerica is going to be on talk at the tavern, you know? And that's just my humble nature. You know what I mean? I, I'm just so humbled by, by shit like that. Like, I, why, wow, you're gracing me. And you know, he's, he's the same way. He's like, dude, I'm nobody special. I'm just a, another guy. You know what I mean? It's like, you forget that. As it goes you know? up the levels, it kind of feels like that too. Cause even to like our listeners, they think we're some like famous podcaster, you know, but mm-hmm. realistically we're just fucking dudes with our own little setup and just running it, you know? Yeah. And it looks professional that we're on like Spotify, all that kind of shit. And it sounds like it's something unreachable if you're not a podcaster, but if you're a podcaster, mm-hmm. it's like so simple to get all your stuff on Apple, Spotify, iTunes. Yeah. That's like why I always tell people, bro, like if you're thinking about starting a podcast, like just do it. Because you'll never know how it might turn out, you know, like it sounds like a lot of work. And yes, the initial setup is a lot of work. But once you get it running, dude, it's like you're good to go. You know, like once Mm -hmm. you have everything linked up together, like you don't have to go on each of these individual platforms and upload where I feel like a lot of people think that. And that might be one thing that kind of holds them back is thinking that they have to go across fucking 50 different platforms and upload an episode, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, and I originally thought that, you know what I mean? Because when I was thinking about, you know, starting one, I'm like, how do I even record one? Like, how do I release it? What the hell is an RSS feed? You know, all, all this shit. And, you know, thankfully anchor, you know, provides those tools. So shout out to anchor, you know, whatever, you know, I, I also I, use I, anchor. So shout out to them on my behalf too. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it is easier in the beginning. It is very overwhelming, but it is easier said than done. And, and what, when you do first start out, yeah, it can be a little like I said, overwhelming, you know, trying to figure it out. But as the more you do it, like I even just said today, um, I released a, a quick little bonus episode that Ryan and I recorded uh, last night. And I said, babe, remember when I 
first started and I'd be back there for a couple hours, you know, uh, doing the post-production side of, you know, releasing an episode. She's like, yeah. I said, yeah, now it only, the, the thing I wait for the most is, you know, you know, taking the you know noise reduction and, and, and this and that, depending on the length of the episode. I said, other than that, after that, it's slide this, slide that, you know, import this, da, 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 export as an MP3 and you're done. And you're like, oh, wow. You know, it just comes second nature to you. Dude, I uh, like when I did my very first episode, first of all, I was extremely nervous. There's a lot, a lot of post editing. It was like a 45 minute episode and I spent like six hours editing it overnight and was so proud of myself for that. And now it's like I'm looking at it now and I still listen to all of my episodes like full length just so I can like hear everything, make sure nothing sounds weird, make sure there wasn't any dropouts or everything like that. Um, but just like the editing process that I can edit a two hour episode in two hours now versus mm-hmm. spending six hours on a 45 minute episode. Yes. And you can also see the range of yourself too, where it's like you first start off and you fuck up talking a lot. You may want to cut out little things if you say the wrong word. And then once you're, I don't know, maybe like, I feel like the key that everybody uses is about 30 episodes in at that point, it just becomes like a natural flow. And it's like, I don't know about you, bro, but I'm almost more comfortable talking on a microphone on a yeah. podcast than I am like in the real world. Cause it's like, I can't just be like, Hey, so about them fucking interdimensional cryptids in a normal conversation. But if I say that on a podcast, it's like, everybody's going off about it. Like if people could talk on that shit for hours, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. You know? And, and that was the biggest thing with me when I first started, like I, I would listen back and I'd be like, I, that's the way I sound. That's my voice. That's what people hear. Cause obviously when we talk, we don't hear how our normal voice sounds, you know? I'm like, I can't stand hearing me. What? And you, you have to get used to hearing yourself. And, uh, once you do it and, and like you said, you listen back to see, you know, my very first episode was a lot of, and fuck, you know, you'd hear deep breaths and fuck. And, and (laughs) I still say fuck on every episode anyway. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, mine was like every other word. Yeah, I was so like you, so nervous. I had a picture of you know my wife and kids, you know, hanging in front of me. So I was because I was doing it on the Clinton body count. I was reading out of a uh, a book that I have, and just kind of taking each one and and just talking a little bit on it. And I was just focused, like I was having a conversation on the, with them. And it, it, it to me, it was a disaster. I let my wife listen to. It. She's like, you kind of got to work on your swearing and your breathing. And I'm like. I'm fully aware of that, that when I'm nervous, I swear a lot. And she's like, <laughs> I know, <laughs> dude, I say, and then like, I don't want to shout out the particular person that I was on their show. Um, but my first interview I went on, I kept saying, and then, and then, and then where I like went back and listened and I was like, God damn, dude, that drives me fucking crazy. I sound so yeah. nervous. And then the uh, first time I, I hopped on tavern with you, like fucking so awkward and nervous. Like I'd never done like a group show before. And I'm sure you saw that when I hopped on, you guys were like, how's it going? I start reading this like script description of my show and shit. Like <laughs> I'm almost like embarrassed of how awkward I was when I f- first hopped on Tavern. Cause that was my first, I was probably only like three or four episodes deep at that point. So it was like okay. fresh, fresh, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, dude, you did good. You know what I mean? And I, I, I joke about it with you, you know, here and there th- that night. You know, you hopped on like, so how long you been locked up? And everybody's like, dude, what what the fuck? Like, he's not in jail. And I'm like, no, it's fucking hair, you fucking retards. (laughs) Dude, they they started laughing. I was going to say, even I kind of like took it that way at first. Like, wait, he thinks I I was in jail? (laughs) Like, I wasn't around. I promise. This is my first appearance. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, and and 
you know, here I, you know, I, I obviously cut my hair pretty much off. I don't, I don't pick it, but you know, all the way down old military habit and what have you. But, um, you know, I, I have friends that, that have locks and, and that's what they refer to. You know, I've been locked up for, you know, five, six, seven years, this and that, and you know, they're, they're very proud of it. And, you know, so when I asked you and, and everybody was just kind of taken aback and I'm like, dude, I'm talking about his hair. And everybody's like, Oh, okay. Never heard that before. I'm like, well, maybe it's a Southern East coast thing. I don't know. Honestly, I use the term locks because for people that don't know the word dreadlocks is actually supposed to be a derogatory term because it's supposed to be saying like you dread your hair, like you have shitty hair, like you're, you're right. dreading it. So it was intended to be more of like a racial slur than anything. So mm-hmm. like in particular being like a white dude with locks, because I feel like, I don't know, it's people think that you get, it's like culture, culturally un- inappropriate, like whatever, how people feel about it. So no, I always like spiritual thing. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is for me. Like I uh, start with, like, I just call it locks just out of like a respectful thing. And I've never Mm -hmm. had any issue with anybody saying like, you know, just anything bad about me having locks. Like I get a lot of compliments in my locks, weirdly enough. I've never heard anything bad about them, but uh, it's like, I started mine because my grandma is hundred percent Cherokee. So she always had this idea instilled in my head that like, you don't cut your hair. Like she didn't let my dad cut his hair. And then when he was a teenager, he went out and just cut it one day and she was super duper upset about it. Um, she was very spiritual about like her native American heritage. And she believed that your strength is in your hair. And if you Mm -hmm. cut your hair, you're like losing your strength. So I started my, like I had my hair short for a while. I've always had like shitty curly hair that I couldn't really do much with. Um, but I always want to grow it out just because I always liked having my hair longer. And, uh, one day I just kind of pulled the trigger on it and cause I always wanted to have locks and I grew up in one of those houses where it's like quiet racism here, I guess you could say. Okay. So like my mom would never say anything rude out loud. But when I was like 16 and I told her I want to get locks, she was like, no, you can't do that. That's, that's N word hair. Like, you know, quiet oh. whisper, you know, but she'd yeah. never say it out loud kind of a thing. Um, so like when I got to be an adult, I'm like, fuck it, dude, I've been wanting to do this since I was 16. I'm just going to do it. And it's just been like a spiritual thing for me since then, where now they're going on three years old. Um, like, and I'm very protective of them too. Like, I don't know if I told you about this story, but it's something I talked about on my show a while ago that, um, I work at a cannabis company and I kind of just do a little bit of everything, whatever they asked me to do. Like I know how to do everything in the building. So there's this particular time when they didn't have anybody that would spray the plants so I would, sp- I sprayed the plants for a long time. And then we finally got a guy that came in, said he'd do it. So I kind of got out of it and I didn't want to do it because you get really nasty and I only lo- wash my locks once a week. So I mm-hmm. don't prefer to do that every other day. So I pretty much told them like, they're like, you have to spray now because this person's gone. I'm like, well, I prefer not to. And they're like, what, what reason do you have not to spray? And I'm like, well, like my locks, first of all, like, I don't like having all that greasy, oily shit in my hair. Cause I don't wash my hair every single day. I wash it once a week. And uh, the HR lady pretty much said something to me along the lines of like, if your hair gets in the way with your work, it's a personal preference and it'd probably be better if you just cut it. And coming from like a super duper woke agenda company where we have to sit down and do these stupid fucking seminars about like pronouns and all this kind of bullshit. It's like, how the fuck can you say that to me? Like if it was, if I, if I was any other religion or whatever, like you couldn't say that, but because Mm. I'm like a spiritual person that has like, it's spiritual is like a hard term too. Cause there's like the people that believe in like rocks and all that kind of shit. Like that's mm-hmm. not really like the side I'm on. I'm more of like the universal consciousness type side. Right. Um, but it's like, 
how do you just like say that to an HR person? Like, no, because I'm spiritual. Cause it's like, it's, you almost feel like they'd laugh at you, but at the same time, they're here calling people a toaster because that's what they want to be called. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And, and if you, if you go down to Jamaica, uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's, that is a way of their, their religious belief. You know what I mean? And that is why they grow their locks. And it, it, it wow. I can't believe dude, she, you could have had her fucking job and, and some money. <laughs> dude, I, I can't stand that chick. Like if there's anybody in the company that I avoid altogether, it's her because it's one of those things that my old boss who got fired recently. So now we got this new guy and he's, he's fine. But, uh, like my old boss knows how I am like where I was always quiet, kind of timid. And then once I started my podcast, I started making a stand. So like mm -hmm. they would do some shit where they'd say like, everybody should get their COVID shots. And I'd be the one that gets up and starts ranting about like, no, fuck that. You can't tell me that shit. And I'd like start bitching at him, whatever. So like my manager got the idea that she just doesn't bring up certain topics with me because she knows I'll go off about it, especially right. when I got some like balls and I like, wasn't afraid to just be like, go fuck yourself. I'm not doing that. Yeah. So, uh, like she brings in this, she used to bring in this specific HR person because she knows that I know that if I open my mouth with this lady, that I, she's going to find a way to get me in trouble because mm -hmm. she's so like pro woke. So it's like, she specifically brought her in the office that day because she knew that if it was just her and I, like I would have went off, but because it was that specific lady, I like bit my tongue. Cause I'm like, bro, if I fucking open my mouth and start saying anything, I know I'm going to start ranting and get myself in fucking trouble. Yeah. But even just with that, it's like, it's from my grandma, Native American heritage, because she's 100%. Um, my dad would be 50, so I'm 25, which I wish I was more, but it's I still have that heritage, and it's still the matter mm -hmm. of she was 100%, so she instilled a lot of that on me. So it's like, even if I just kind of like went back at her with like, hey, my grandma's 100% Cherokee. Cherokee doesn't believe in cutting your hair because it's where your, where your, like, where your strength is. Like, maybe I could have done something about it, but again, I knew I would have like gone too fucking far about it because... I'm that guy at my work that they took down all of the like COVID signs because I was the one that was kept writing like stuff like, oh, look up Pfizer documents like on the bottom of the paperwork and shit <laughs> <Yeah>. like that. Like <laughs> I did the same thing. Uh, the boss would put them around uh, our office, you know, back when you know the masks were the the savior of all, and it'd be you know wear your mask of this and that, and, you know, it, it, it's it's uh, it's required by the state, and I'd always put under there, it's not the law. Dude, they had a rule at my work that said, have a mask on you. So I use that terminology, have it on you, that mm -hmm. I would clip it on my pants. And when they were like, where's your mask? You have to have it on. I'm like, yeah, the rule says have it on you. It is on me technically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and when they first started pushing that shit, they were like, everybody come into the office. We need to have a, have a meeting. Make sure everybody has a mask on. I walk up in that bitch with a spray bottle of alcohol because we have alcohol to clean stuff. And I start mm -hmm. spraying through the mask. And I'm like, I'm not wearing this shit. So the manager pulls me into the office and is like, oh, I know, I know how you are, blah, blah, blah. They're like, just, just wear it because it makes people feel better. It's like a placebo. I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't make me feel better. Like, where's my, right. my opinion at? <laughs> where's my body, my choice? Yeah. Like I'll stay in the back of the fucking room if you want, but I ain't wearing that shit. I work in mm -hmm. a hot ass, humid grow room. Like it's high humidity, like 60, 70%. And it's like 85 degrees in that bitch. Like I'm not wearing it. Sorry. Yeah. Nope. Nope. I'm Not out. to mention I'm the only one in the room by myself. So like fucking i'm in a room by myself with the door closed like yeah. <laughs> fuck out of here it's like wearing it in your car all by yourself it's like what dude uh, there's a lot of that too because like yeah. even in the yeah, company still see it. yeah there's there's still people that are like hellbound determined to wear fucking masks and shit like we had this hr another different hr person that comes in and does like the little slideshows talking about stuff 
mm-hmm. she'll come in and always still be wearing her mask. And it's funny too, because it's like, I'll be in the back of the room or around the corner or whatever. And she'll be talking about some like COVID shot type shit. Like they're offering a hundred dollars in my work to get it. And as Ooh. soon as I come around the corner, she, she don't, she already knew, like she skips the slide and starts talking about the next thing. And it was funny. Cause I'd noticed that whenever I was sitting down, she would purposely skip over like five slides here and there. <laughs> Nice. It's like, you know, I'm going to go off on that shit. I ain't playing. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> Not to mention the whole idea of like, I'm always ranting about the fact that it's bullshit that you offer a hundred dollars because at that point people are dumb and they're not going to make their own educated decisions. They're just going to go, Oh, a hundred dollars. And they're just going to get it. So it's like, you're tricking yeah. people by thinking that you're doing something good with that stupid virtue signaling woke ass agenda shit. <laughs> yeah. And, and th- like, they're too stupid to realize that, okay, this is an experimental drug. And you're saying my life is only worth a hundred dollars to you as a company. You know, go, go pound sand. You know, my, my, my life is irreplaceable. Yeah. And they're only doing that again, because they're trying to, they're, they always talk about the culture of the company, the culture of the company, and they do anything that they possibly can. That's like virtue signaling. Like they put fucking Ukraine colors on some of the weed bags, <laughs> oh like gay pride month. They fucking covered everything in loud and proud because it's weed, like thinking it's funny, like stickers and shit. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, I feel like an asshole working for this company. Like, I don't wear anything. Like, I work for a fucking weed company and I refuse to wear anything that's their logo. Like, fuck you. I'm not doing a free advertisement for you. I'll smoke your weed, though. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, if I was in your position, I'd do the same thing. It's just it's funny how you would never think the cannabis industry would be the most woke industry. You know what I mean? Because that's not its roots. That's not its history. You know what I mean? It was always deep thought, fight the man, fight the power, think for yourself. And, you know, here you are, everything you're saying is complete opposite of, but that's what happens when government gets involved. You want to talk about government getting involved, man. I started like when it first became legal in Michigan, like I was this company's very first hourly employee and my girlfriend was their second. So I've been there fucking longer than anybody. And uh, when we first started, It was all small local growers getting things started, caregivers getting their license, getting shit rolling. And over the course of the last three years, bro, they started with little laws where it's like, oh, you have to have a certain type of license to be able to sell to dispensaries. And then you have to be this. And then you have to have a state license. You can't be a caregiver anymore. And now it's built up to a point where we just got bought out by a corporate company from Canada called Terrasen, but I call it Terrasend. But uh, (laughs) they bought out our company and now it's so over corporatized it's not even fucking funny like it was something that weed was never intended to be and it drives me crazy every day and i fucking hate it and i'm always bitching about how like i work in the weed industry but the worst thing that ever happened to weed was legalization because now it's there's no little guys they're pushing all the little guys out unless you're a big Mm -hmm. corporate company which is the original idea because the government's only going to make something legal if they know they can make money off of it And they can't just instantly take over the market. They have to do it step by step where people don't notice. And not a lot of people have noticed. And then I'll be the one sitting here in the office like, bro, listen to this. This is where we started. This is where we are now. And people will sit back and be like, holy shit, we are corporate. I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, dude. And I was warning all of them when corporate brought it out that they're going to come in. They're going to fire a bunch of people. They're going to do all this crazy shit. And nobody wanted to believe me. And then about going on, I don't know, probably like a month or so ago, fucking fired everybody in the building besides my girlfriend and I and like one other person and everybody was like oh my god you were right like even fired the head grower like bro I've seen this shit I'm a conspiracy theorist or whatever you want to call me I don't predict the future but I make connections based off of things that have already happened and anytime there's something where it starts off as a mom and pop company 
and then a corporate company takes over. There's a bunch of different steps that they do. And all the people that were part of the Ma and Pa shop, they try to make the business look like it's better than it is. And they pretty much cut and run at that point, which is mm-hmm. what they did to us, saying that we made like four times more than what we made because this family had started the company, you know, the fucking, oh, we got a bunch of money, blah, 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 type fucking people just want to cut and run on all of us. And yeah. pretty much fucked a bunch of the people. That's why half the company got fired. Like, it's fucking terrible, dude. Like, I hate it. Like, worst thing that ever happened to weed was legalization. And I like being able to, like, bitch about it because people just are looking at it from, like, a legalize weed, legalize weed, fight the power type shit. But you don't realize that when you legalize weed, you're giving them all the fucking power because mm-hmm. it started off where I was making more fucking money flipping weed and selling weed before I started this company and stuff than I did on my paychecks. Like, I worked at factories just so that I had customer base and I'd be making like four times more of my check each week just off of having weed and selling weed to people that worked at that company. Like, right. and as soon as it became legal, bro, that completely, everybody knew somebody had a, had a dispo card, whatever the fuck. And business instantly dropped out for me. So it was one of those things that was like, if you can't beat them, join them. And mm-hmm. I've joined them and I've watched this slow digression through, through the past couple of years. And it's just, it's really sad, man. Like, just just to be honest with you, like, it's fucking sad. And I go into this whole thing where I think it's like a conspiracy, too, that the people that have been smoking for a long time are fine. They can handle this shit. But now that it's legal, people that have never smoked before are now going, oh, I can smoke weed now because it's legal because the government says it's okay. Mm-hmm. And those people are just becoming even more docile. Like, they don't want to do anything. They don't stand up for anything. Like, they're coming in with the weed being way too fucking strong. So I have this whole idea that the whole reason why they're legalizing it is to also make the culture more docile. Oh, absolutely. Like, and, and you speak corporate coming in. I'm, I'm a little older than you and I, I have very faint memories of it, but I remember when, when you used to go into Walmart back in the day when I was a little kid and they weren't on every freaking corner in every freaking city, it seems like. Everything in there was American owned, American made. And as soon as Sam died, you know, and the kids took over, you saw the slow progression of, hey, it's corporate. We need to make money. How, how can we get cheaper goods, this and that? And now you look at it and everybody's just like, fuck Walmart. You know what I mean? It, they, they got so big to the point where, yeah, people go because in some areas, that's the only option that they have to get certain things like what Walmart offers, but, but they do it just because that is their only option. And dude, I I don't go to Walmart unless I absolutely fucking have to. Dude, it's honestly the same with the cannabis industry. Cause my company specifically started off as we're small batch. We have high quality product because we got a contract with cookies for people that are familiar with what cookies is. So we're the only people on in Michigan that can carry cookies genetics because we have like our, uh, like we paid them for the right to be able to, to have it pretty much. So it started off where we're doing hydro, which in my opinion is the best method of growing cannabis. It's all a matter of personal preference, I guess, depending on the people, mm-hmm. but that's how I learned. And that's how, like, I think you get the best quality product because you can adjust almost any part of the environment versus like, if you do it in soil, whatever, like you can't just change out the water, fix the temperatures, do anything like that. And as it's progressed, we started from having 50 plants in a room, which is considered small for the room sizes. We like, I mean, it, it's a lot of plants, but like it, they had space, like it, it was, you know, like good for what we had in the room sizes we have. And then as time has gone on, they're like, oh, we're going to upgrade to this new method. We're going to do this. So we have two buildings where I work. One of them's mm-hmm. hydro still, which we're going to leave that way because 
we've all been bitching about how we just need to leave it hydro. And then the other building, they're trying out this new method, which is like rock wool, which is what everybody does now. And it's basically putting pot like plants in fiberglass, essentially. It's like like a rock based fiberglass. And they're like, oh, it's the go-to way. It's the newest, blah, 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 blah. And I'm looking at it going, okay, so the substrate's cheaper because these blocks are dirt fucking cheap. You're packing now fucking like 100 plants on a table where they're growing almost like a, sh- like a, like a, like a shrub or like a bush is like one solid piece. So they're like trying to talk it up like it's something good. But realistically, I'm looking at it from the perspective of it's corporatizing because they're doing more product for a cheaper method and they don't really care if the product has degraded because they look like they have more and they can still sell it for the same price because they have the cookies name attached to it versus right. everything we get from the building that's hydro the nugs are bigger the plants are healthier they got room to grow like one of those plants equals probably at least like 10 12 of the other plants doing the rock wall method but they're looking at it from numbers like oh we can mm-hmm. fit 300 plants in this room versus the 52 over there but it's like yeah but one of these plants equals 12 of those so realistically like what are you better off doing? Like yeah. have the high quality product that people are willing to pay for instead of making people buy cookies products. They're spending $60 a fucking eighth on this shit. And then they're getting some bottom of the barrel looking fucking product where the hydro stuff is like sticky, big, fat. Like it looks like it's worth the money. The other shit, definitely not, even though it has the same genetic and same name. Well, the plants need electrolytes. Honestly. Sorry, I don't mean to keep ranting about. Uh... No, no, you're fine. I, I don't know if you caught that reference to uh, <laughs> to the movie I was referring to, but um, God, no, it, it drew a blank. It's it's the one where the guy's like, "Welcome to Costco. I love you." Oh, oh what fuck. uh, does that employee of the month? No, ah, uh, fuck. I, I just I I watched a little bit of it the other night. Um, it'll come to me. Uh, but yeah, it, it was the future, you know, they're putting energy drinks on everything and, and this dude's just like, no, the plants just want water. Like that, that's what will make oh, them grow. Idiocracy. That's Idi- what it was. Yes. Idiocracy. Yep. Cause they're trying to figure out why all their shit won't grow. And this guy they think is crazy smart, which is just supposed to be this basic average Joe is like plants need water. And they're like, yeah. what? <laughs> no, they need electrolytes. <laughs> it has Fuck electrolytes. Dude. I forgot about that movie, but it's almost yeah. turned into reality. Like in all fairness, oh, completely. You know, it's like, fuck. and and when when I watched it, I was just I I could kind of see it then. I was just like, wow, oh, there are people out there like this. And now when you look around, it's like, dude, everyone in that movie cloned themselves a hundred times over, and now they're all walking around every fucking where. Dude, even the president played by uh, who is that? Um, Terry Crews in that. Like if uh-huh. you mixed like Obama with Trump with like a bodybuilder, it would literally be that guy. Like yeah. mix little pieces of their personality. Like watch the next president will be a bodybuilder and yeah. we'll have like the combination of the three of them would make that guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, I've been, I don't know about you, man, but I've been super into just like strange stories and interactions and like cryptids lately. And I've been wanting mm. to kind of get into that a little bit on the show. So I guess uh, it'd be kind of fun to get into. Have you heard any... Yeah weird or interesting cryptid stories or any just off the wall, not as commonly known encounter stories. Um, yeah, there's, uh, uh, do you listen to, uh, the confessionals at all? Yeah, of course. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's where I get a lot of my, that and Sasquatch Chronicles. Um, they were like the first two podcasts I really ever got into and Sasquatch Chronicles. I've always had a 
a soft spot in my heart for Bigfoot. I'm a believer. I've never had an experience. I, I've heard things in the woods that I know weren't, you know, bear or deer or whatever, but I just can't a hundred percent say, Oh, that was Sasquatch. Cause I've never seen the dude, you know, or, or the girl. Um, but you want to see some confirmations, man, look into the Yowie stuff in Australia. Like it's yeah. not even just like blurry pictures. Like I have a couple personal friends that I've met through podcasting that live in Australia that will regularly send me these giant primate footprints. And then they'll send me ones of like a kangaroo footprint and be like, look, they're totally different. Cause a lot mm. of people want to assume they're a kangaroo footprint, but like, what the fuck is this? And there's exactly. like this whole crazy connection with the aboriginals with a uh, Yowie, AKA Australian Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. And it falls back really far in their legend. So it's like, there's a lot of weirdness to the West side of the islands that I've heard from a lot of people where they don't let a lot of people go into certain areas and different things. And uh, I think it was Graham Hancock. I think that was the one that my one buddy mentioned, but there was a researcher that went there trying to look for some Bigfoot information. And uh, pretty much he met up with some Aboriginal people. They they like started kind of showing him around explaining this like weird shit. Like the guy like supposedly like disappeared and popped up behind him and was talking about like weird stuff about like veils of reality shit like that. Oh shit. But this guy got hurt and he, they pretty much said, all right, like you stay here. Here's the tent, here's supplies. Um, We're going to go back and get help and get you out of here. And uh, they went, came back to the area. The tent was all fucked up. There was blood everywhere. Everything was all fucked up. And they didn't find any like, like dingo or whatever the fuck that they have the wild dogs. They have their like footprints, anything like that Mm -hmm. in the area. And uh, pretty much the Aboriginal guy was saying that it was the Yowies and stuff like that, that attacked him because they weren't respecting the land and all that kind of shit. And pretty much like Australia, the government, whoever gave him permission to be there pretty much said, give us all your information, give us all your recordings, give us all this shit. And you're not allowed back in Australia pretty much. So it's just like, I am. Hmm. Weird. If it was like a wild dog attack, why are they being that fucking sketchy about it? Exactly. Have you have you ever had the opportunity to talk to Ron Moorhead? I have not, but if he's into that kind of shit, I'd definitely love to. Oh, uh, dude, he's the one who uh are you familiar with the Sierra sounds? Uh, I don't believe I am. Um if you want to describe of- it for the listeners that aren't aware of what it is too, that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, so it's basically um Sasquatch language. Um, you, you'll hear a lot of people call it, uh, you know, the chatter or samurai chatter and, and stuff like that. But back in the, I hadn't um, heard that terminology before. I know what you're talking about now, but if keep explaining though, for people that don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to try and look it up here. See if I can hopefully play a little bit of it for you. You need me a screen share or anything or will it be fine coming over? Uh, no, it should be all right. Come on. So it almost reminds me of the sound of like, uh, you know, those movies you watch where it's like people exploring the Amazon for the first time and there's all yeah. like the tribes and stuff. And they're like off in the distance, like making the woo kind of noise and stuff. That's what it sounds like. And it reminds me of that was recorded in the Sierra Nevadas, uh, California. Oh, wow. Like, yeah, 
just somebody recording it like in the middle of the woods or something like that like they're just hearing yeah it? so ron moorhead um him and his his uh friends they had a like a hunting camp uh that had been passed down generations and generations and whatever and they went up there and they started hearing these sounds and they'd get like rocks thrown and, and what have you and you know they're like what the fuck is this so the next time they went up they took some recording equipment and recorded some of it well then he there was a journalist that was set out his sole purpose was to debunk this as a as a, a man-made mystery myth you know what i mean so the journalist went up there with him and recorded some of these himself and could not debunk it at all like and they've he actually had uh, a naval uh, linguist analyze it and he goes i can't translate this language but it is definitely a language because it almost kind of reminds me of a bird but it doesn't like a bird wouldn't have enough like lung capacity behind it to make that noise right and at some points they're like and that, and that's why they kind of call it the samurai chat. Kind of sounds, sounds like, like caveman talk too. That's what yeah, I was kind of getting yeah. towards. And so he recorded these and, and, you know, it, it got pretty, pretty well known. And I had the great honor to, to have him on and, and, and talk about it. And he, he, he kind of goes into more of a Bigfoot comes from like a quantum uh, dimension or, or field. And, you know, he's written books like the quantum Bigfoot and what have you. And, and it, he, he's a fascinating man to talk to. And when I, when I had him on, we did like a little over an hour and, at, you know, my wife's like, wow, you're done already. I'm like, babe, dude's like 80 something, almost 80 years old. I mean, <laughs> you got to give him a, give him a little break here. You know, he's not young like me that can, you know, can go for a few hours, but yeah, I definitely reach out to him. I'll give you his contact information. He, he, he's got some, he's a wealth of knowledge, man. Yeah, I would definitely love to talk to him. But like as far as like my view on Bigfoot goes, I kind of have like a couple different scenarios that I pass around. Um, I guess my main one that I kind of gear towards and it's kind of like a two parter where I kind of like a half and half on one part of it. But uh, like basically my idea that I kind of believe and have kind of geared towards is that. Say like there was like a point where humans evolution, whatever you want to call it, kind of did like this split where people started going into like using tools and using different things like that. And then the other side kind of started going back towards like the primal aspect of like mm -hmm. maybe spirituality being connected to that, where they just know that they have these like natural abilities to like possibly cloak themselves, like whatever you want to call it. Um, so I feel like it's either one that we kind of evolved from the same point and it's just one went more to the primal side or one kind of went more to like the civilization side and it kind of made like a split. Or my other thing that I've kind of liked to entertain lately, because I just find it interesting. I'm not saying it's fact or anything like that, but I find it interesting. Right. Um, there's ancient Hindu legends about basically like different types of people. One of those being like pig people. Mm -hmm. So my idea behind that is that humans, like when they, when they're trying to learn how to tattoo, they'll tattoo on like pig skin because it's the mm -hmm. closest thing to like human skin. And we have a lot of similarities with pigs just like we kind of do with like apes, for example. We're so actually like actually more closely related to a pig than we are an ape. Yeah, see, exactly. So what if there was the process of evolution like we all talk about, but we theoretically evolved from pigs where these Bigfoots 
or Yowie, fucking Abominable Snowman, Yeti, whatever you want to call them, because they're all part of the same family. It's like different Mm -hmm. races, just like people um, evolved from primates like they expected that we did. And there's actually like a split that we both kind of stemmed from different animals. And then we all kind of just developed the like upright ability. And if you get into like the crazy Anunnaki shit about how they talked about how they tried to mix their DNA with different animals DNA to see what would happen. Like that could kind of fit in with that theory because maybe they did create people from pigs theoretically, but they're also trying to do other things. So they may have created other species from different things. And that could even explain the reptilian concept that maybe they're mixing their DNA with reptile DNA. And those like my, my firm belief on it is that reptilians are, if they are real, aren't extraterrestrial. I believe that they would be like hollow earth dwellers. Mm -hmm. So they're here. Like they're, they're like, it'd be another species that lives here. Same with like the concept of like aquaforians. Um, that could have been another thing where they mix their DNA with fish. And that's yeah. why people bring up all these weird fucking mermaid stories about being super deep in the water and how there's the whole idea of uh, that one guy who discovered underwater oceans where the buoyancy was so much different than normal water that he was trying to take a sub into it and he was bouncing off the top of it and he was yeah. talking about it. And then all of a sudden random helicopter crash two days later, like what if theoretically those like aquaforians, mermaids, whatever you want to call them, are down in that lower area knowing that it's cleaner like they don't get bothered down there like why the fuck would you want to fuck with humans because if they're theoretically more mentally evolved than us like why would they want to fuck with a bunch of like primitive people like i don't know there's just like these different areas that seem like they're purposefully hidden but those are all theoretically where these races could possibly come from and it could all branch back to the anunnaki concept of mixing their dna with different animals and that's where everything branched out from and that could be where like the missing link is is anunnaki dna not even this like bigfoot dna like people claim that that's the missing link but i don't think it's a missing link i think it's a totally different evolutionary chain well that those mermaid stories just to dumb it down for for my simple brain um i think it was admiral bird actually it it, might have been him or somewhere around that time where he had the same one with austria with a um antarctic thing too he was mapping out the antarctic yeah yes and they had submarines and he said these these creatures came and like I don't know, they like admitted power out of like their hands or something and, and created a, a, a way underneath the, the ice or some shit like that. It's I haven't looked into it in a long time, but when you were saying that, that's what it reminded me of. I'm going to have to to dive into that uh, again, but it, it, it cryptids always fascinated me. And, and you asked in the beginning, you know, what kind of red pilled you? and got me into conspiracies i always have kind of been and as a little kid you know because I, I originally was born in wyoming and, and lived in idaho until i was like 10 or 11 and we'd always go camping and what have you and, and as a little kid you know it, sometimes i could take a friend and we, we'd always be like you know you need, dude you know they have bigfoot over in california and, and up in oregon and, and stuff like that so bigfoot was kind of like my first real cryptid slash conspiracy that i ever really got into and then you, then you, now you find out, okay, now Dogman is, is a thing. Uh, See, a that rape. was my first one being in Michigan, not to interrupt you or anything, but well, you're, we have legends of Bigfoot in the UP, but the area that I'm from, the closest cryptid legends are Dogman. So like mine kind of started with Dogman personally. Yeah. Isn't the beast of Bray Road in Michigan? Uh, I want to say it is. I'm brain farting on it because I've been really into like looking up Michigan cryptids lately. So like my main ones that I've been into lately are Dogman, which is supposed to be in the north uh, western side of the state. Uh, 
the Bigfoot legends are in the Upper Peninsula. And then also in the Upper Peninsula on Lake Superior, there's these uh, Native American legends about essentially like a like a water panther is how they describe it. Okay. And there's like etchings of it on the side of the water and people have claimed to see it. But those are the main three I'm following at the moment as far as like my home area goes. Gotcha. Sorry. Uh, the Beast of Bray Road is um, Elkhorn, Walhurth County in Wisconsin. Which... Hey, we do have a road name that though. That's what kind of threw me off because. Okay. Yeah. I know and we. You guys have... are neighbors. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And you know how city, how states are. They just reuse the same names, different roads. But oh, yeah. Totally. I was going to say my connection with that that's in Michigan is I thought it was like a paranormal thing. So there probably is that same road. And if I'm not mistaken, there's legends about like, a, you know, the generic like woman in a white dress. Yeah. That's in that area that's looking for a baby. Um, yeah. Because you lost almost kind of like uh, uh, La Llorona. From yeah. Down in Mexico and what have you. Yeah. Because it's like the legends. It almost makes you wonder if they're all rooted from the same place and then people make up the legend for their particular area or if it's one of those things where it's like certain events cause like a resonance in time and so it's just like because something is so in-depth you just see it pop up everywhere like a person losing a baby is extremely traumatic so of course that would pop up everywhere and going into like paranormal type things I'm not necessarily believer in there being like how do I work? Like, I believe in the paranormal, but in a different sense. Like, I believe that there's dark entities, which are people would be like demons, shadow people, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. them. But a lot of like the ghost stories about like traumatic events. Um, I think it's a couple different things. One, it could be that there's an event that's so traumatic that it resonates through time if time is not linear. And that's why when there's like battle areas that are haunted, that the like ghosts don't interact with you or see you it's like they're stuck in that moment like you're almost just like seeing a time like, loop yeah like a replay of that time loop and then my other theory that i go into too is that what if there's thinnings of the veil in certain areas and that's why you'll see a ghost see you and then take off is because it could be the 1800s mm-hmm. and they're talking about this house that's haunted and they're like oh no we see ghosts but realistically it's you in the future and there's a thinning of the veil so they're seeing you as a ghost like you're almost kind of half there translucent and at the same time you're seeing them as a ghost so that's why ghosts will run off real quick or seem like they're trying to take off is because it's like they're scared because they're seeing you as a ghost but they're not really a ghost it's more just like a thinning in the veil if time's not linear and that's oh, kind of where i sit <laughs> that, that's a good good uh theory man especially because like i hear a lot of stories about somebody where it'll be like i had this traumatic moment where i uh saw a ghost at the bottom of the stairs and then it ran up the stairs real quick and it scared the shit out of me. And then like 10 years later, that person's still living in the same house. And they'll be like, I was on the stairs and I saw a ghost in the uh, in the chair and it took off real quick. So it's like you could theoretically be seeing yourself with a thinning of the veil in two different times and you're scaring yeah. yourself on both sides of it. So so being with this cryptid, have you looked into your your Native American heritage? Um, I know that my Native American heritage uh, comes from Georgia, so it, I wouldn't have anything necessarily like linked to my state. Right. But with because all just about all Native Americans and First Nations up, up in Canada um, all have stories of Sasquatch or um, that type of, of figure. You know what I mean? Um, Tom Seawood, he's a First Nations tribe member up in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. 
And he, dude, that guy's a wealth of fucking knowledge when you, when you want like first nations, um, side of things and, and talking about like the woman of the woods and, and, you know, all the stories and, and he's had encounters and, and what have you and, and, you know, video and, and stuff proof that, that he's, you know, passed along and what, happened. but I've always found the native American side of like Sasquatch or Bigfoot, whatever you want to call them more fascinating than, you know, don't get me wrong. I love listening to Sasquatch Chronicles and, and the people's encounters that they come across. But when you get a first nations or native Americans perspective on it, it gets into a whole deeper level, almost like a spiritual type type level. I mean, honestly, that's kind of where I'm at, where anytime I look up a new cryptid, I don't go off of like, like the first thing I start getting into, like, of course I get into like the firsthand encounters of people claiming Mm -hmm. that they've seen it. But like my main spot that I like to start at is going back as far as I can. And as far as like the Americas go, almost every cryptid for the most part has like a connection to Native American legend. So it's like, I try to get to like the root source first, because I almost feel like those stories make the most sense because they're looking at it from a more literal point where modern day encounters, people don't know what they're seeing. So they're trying to like come up with like what they think they saw, all that kind of shit where it's like the native American legends. They seem like they have like a full grasp, like claim that they had communication with these different things. Mm -hmm. Like it's just seems there's a lot more to it. Yeah. There's, there's historical, uh, not necessarily documentation because a lot of native Americans would pass things down orally, but, but records through, through different tribes of the, the great wars with the, with the, the red giant, red, hairy, hairy beasts, you know, and that's more down, you know, like your New Mexico, Texas, Nebraska, Colorado area type, type, type deal. And they're fascinating to, to, to listen to. And I remember listening to, uh, an episode on Sasquatch Chronicles. I don't know what, what one it is off the top of my head. And I remember listening to it. It was about these three kids. Um, her mom remarried and their stepdad was, you know, native American. And they moved out to this, you know, trailer in the middle of like the woods, you know, on, on some land. And, um, he always told them, do not go in those woods. Do they, they are off limit. They're forbidden. And this was back in like probably the early eighties and they would have to take like a, they'd go into town like once a month for supplies. Well, that one time they went in, they went into the woods and they were like, ah, screw it. You know, this and that. Well, they started getting chased out by something big and it got to the point where they, they got back to the, to the, the mobile home. The oldest brother got there first, ran in, locked the door. And the two younger brothers had to hide in, in an, unplugged obviously uh chest freezer and this thing was coming around coming around and they finally thought it was safe they they got into the house and then it came back and it was busting in 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 the windows and and the doors and what have you and finally you know mom and stepdad came back and they told him what what was going on and he and he's like i told you not to go in there those woods are forbidden you know and he knew all about what was in these woods and Long story short, I guess they separated because, you know, the mom thought he put the kids in danger or whatnot. Then I see it on, I think these woods are haunted. They actually reenacted that, that telling of that episode of uh, Sasquatch Chronicles and, and to see it and kind of put visual to what they were going through. It was, it was fucking creepy, dude. I mean, if I was those kids, 
fuck, I would have, I would, I would have probably shit my pants five times over, if not more. I mean, Dude, right? No way. I mean, I've had deer jump out on me, me and my wife while we're hiking, and it, you know, it jumps up, rustling and and shaking the bush like like it's crazy. And and I have my hand on my 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 fire, or, you know, my sidearm and with my pistol, and getting ready to draw because I didn't know what the hell like is a bear, mountain lion, deer, and it out pops a buck and you know sees us and kind of runs off in the same you know different direction or whatever but to see that and be that young and be like fuck me dude fuck me dude that's one of those things too going back to like the native american things i think that they had a like when it comes to these legends they have a lot more of an understanding of it in the sense of like we don't go in this area because we know that like they have they have like almost like an agreement of like we won't bother you you don't bother us we won't go in Mm -hmm. that area even like the skinwalker thing, like they oh, yeah. don't mention skinwalkers because they pretty much say if you mention one, then that's when they're going to show like they have more of an understanding of all of it. And that's, again, another reason why I try to go off of like the Native American things, because even like if you're theoretically trying to see a cryptid, if you follow the Native American legend, I'm like, we don't go in this area. Mm-hmm. That's more than likely the area that you may or may or mo- most likely to see the something. And then uh, just a little side note that I was thinking of, you're talking about the Native American legends with uh, fighting the giant uh, red hair beings. Mm -hmm. That kind of goes into my other possible Sasquatch theory that um, one, you know, about the red hair giants that's always Mm -hmm. referenced. Especially Um, over in Kandahar. Yeah. So like, you know, you you take a you take a pig, you put it in the woods and it'll start developing into a boar like it'll start getting these primal characteristics um i think within 30 days yeah it'll start developing husks or tusks and things so like another theory on bigfoot is theoretically if there were giants people didn't want them around we were trying to kill them off so we had all these wars with the giants all this kind of shit like what if a certain group of the giants kind of got to a point where they're like all right we're not going to win this there's way too little of us we're just going to go off and hide in the woods and then you know, it, it may not be as fast as like a pig, but maybe like a generation or two later, they start developing these characteristics to make them more primal and able to live in the woods. So like theoretically, these giants that we're all chasing, like what if they're Bigfoots and giants are the same thing, but they just over the years have developed to be able to more easily live in the woods, you know, and like keep themselves warm, for example. Yeah. That's why they started growing all the full body hair and things like that, you know? Hey, it's a good possibility. You know what I mean? At, at the end of the day, none of us know. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's all just yeah, fun I, theories, though. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And like you said, you can toss them around. Have you ever looked into uh, the Rougarou down in uh, Louisiana? Fucking love the Rougarou. That was one yeah. of the first cryptids that I got like into, into, like besides just the, ent- I'd say entry level, but I don't really mean mm-hmm. it like that, like Bigfoot, like all the normal ones. Yeah. Like the first one of the, like the weird ones I heard about was the Rougarou because it's like, what, fucking half kangaroo? Half part Bigfoot, something like like that. It's just fucking weird and nasty. You know what I mean? Dude, I don't know about you, but I love listening to the Southern people talk about the encounters of it because all the people have seen the Rougarou are so fucking Southern that you can only reach half of what they're saying. They're like, oh, Oh, damn, Rougarou. Yeah, that's that Louisiana accent coming out thick. You know, those, you know, people that live back in a bayou and, you know, what have you. Oh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And then you get down. You know, that's into, almost like why I trust it more, though, is because oh, those are the people totally. that are deep in the woods. So it's like I would believe somebody that has that heavy southern in the woods accent a lot more than I would somebody talking like an R accent, you know, like, right. oh, I saw a fucking Ruguru. Like the people that are going to be seeing Rugurus are the people that are like chilling in the bayou illegally, like 
you know, fucking poaching on like alligators, crocodiles, whatever the fuck. And just living like, off the land and not giving a fuck. Yeah. Around <laughs> from fucking nobody. Like those are the people that are going to be seeing Rougarou. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And then you get skunk ape down in, you know, Florida and, and then, then you get over in, into like Western side of Texas versus the Eastern side. Dude, the Western side of Texas, Bigfoot's, dude, they're mean as fuck. That's like, what I was going to say. Aren't they supposed to be extremely aggressive? Yeah, very aggressive. And, you know, you hear encounters, you know, with them and it's just like, holy shit. You know, I, I don't want to run into that. See, I'm opposite side of the spectrum. As far as like Michigan Bigfoot encounters go, they, the majority of the stories, if you look into them, are very like playful. Like, yeah. People will be in the woods and they'll hear sticks getting thrown around and they'll hear like noise coming from different directions. Almost like it seems like they're trying to kind of like sheep herd them into like a certain area or like away from where, where they are. And then there'll also be like Michigan encounters of like, you'll hear about these like kids that'll be playing with like a baby Bigfoot mm-hmm. and their parent will be looking out the back window like, what the fuck? And then they'll <laughs> go outside and then the little Bigfoot's like, huh? And then takes off real quick, you know, <laughs> or there'll just be like encounters of like uh Bigfoot, but not like breaking in windows like your story, but just kind of like, you know, peeking over the window, kind of like yeah. looking in the house, trying to figure huh. stuff out. Like they're a lot more curious and playful from like Michigan stories of Bigfoot. Exactly. Yeah. And over here in Pennsylvania, we actually have, uh, we had a white Bigfoot encounter a few years back. Over, like a Yeti? Near... No. Uh, it, I would it, take it was... a white one as like a Yeti. Like it almost yeah, like tried to what... travel. <laughs> yeah. That's what most people thought. But uh, like the fo- uh, video footage that, was captured of it you can or albino. see albino yeah, not to cut you uh, off but uh, albino yeah, is possible too yeah exactly like he's kind of standing there by a tree and all of a sudden like he he looks and he he notices someone there and he, all of a sudden he just whoosh, and turns around and i mean he's gone and that that was up near let's say like near scranton wilkes bear area but yeah it, it's it's crazy i i so want to see one so bad um you got to manifest think, it like we were talking yeah, about a talk of the tavern. Exactly. Bigfoot uh, on your but, mind, man. <laughs> oh, it's every time I go out, I'm like, man, I'd, I'd love to see one. I'd love to see one. And then and I hear stories of, you know, truck drivers, you know, driving on this certain highway out, out near state college. And I drive on the same highway and they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll see him standing by the road. And I'm so now every time I'm on this, I'm just freaking looking left, looking right, looking left, looking right. You know, trying to see, you know, obviously people have had sightings out here. I, I'm going to see them. You know, I didn't realize they were that close to me. Yeah, shit, dude. And it's like, uh, I don't know. It's it's one of those hard things because it's like you believe in Bigfoot, but you have skepticism. So mm-hmm. no matter what way you look at it, it's like when it comes to manifesting, I think that you have to like full on 150% be like, this is what I'm going to see. And if there's a doubt in your mind, you're not going to manifest it. So it's like, exactly. We're really into Bigfoot. Like if anybody's going to see a Bigfoot, it'd be us versus like a normal person trying to manifest it. But at the same time though, just having that little doubt in the back of your head is probably a good reason, like why you may or may not see them. Mm. And I mean, even going into just like a whole different sidetrack of things, I guess, like going into like simulated reality, theoretically, right? Like it would almost be like things only exist because you believe they exist. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that um, you're going to see a Bigfoot because Bigfoots are real. It's more like the aspect of like, your reality is what you create it to be and only you are perceiving it the way that you're perceiving it. So like, if you believe that Bigfoot is real in your reality, like, 
this simulated reality, if it is a simulation, may make them in your perspective where you're seeing it, but the person next to you may not be seeing it because they may not like accept that into their reality. So maybe it's not like simulating in their visuals versus like it's popping up in your visuals because again, like you're believing in it and you're creating your own reality off of like a theoretical organic simulation. Oh yeah, totally. You know, and I kind of did that, that manifesting thing the other day I was heading up, up North and I knew I was going to be like on some back roads in some beautiful country here, here in Pennsylvania. And I was like, I want to see a bear today. I will see a bear. And immediately once I said that, I, I, I doubted it. And as I'm driving, I just got this feeling. I'm like, you're not going to see it because you said that with doubt. And I, I didn't see a bear and I, I, I plays right into what you were saying. So like, if you have that slight smidgen of doubt, your manifestation and, and what you want to see is not gonna, gonna happen. It's almost like magic too. Like the literal oh, sense totally. of magic that yeah. people like, like I'm good friends with like, uh, with Patriot, for example, near mm -hmm. Patriot. And he claims, I don't even want to say claim, but he says that like, I didn't necessarily fully believe in it. And then you start seeing like weird things. Like one example, I don't remember if it was him or Lux, but they mentioned that they started seeing ants and they're like, Hey, do you see those to their girlfriend? And they're like, what are you fucking talking about? Like, there's nothing there. And they were like visually watching ants in front of them, like walking. So it's like, even for magic, like it's not like, if you're skeptical at all, if you're just like magic's bullshit, but I want to see mm -hmm. it. Like it's never going to happen. You're never going to see it because you're skeptical of it and you're not manifesting it and making it happen where right. it's like, if you full on believe in it, 150% without a doubt in your mind, like those are the people that are seeing all this magical shit and they're like mind blown by it. And they're like, bro, like, are you fucking seeing this? And nobody else is seeing it because again, you're not like accepting it as a reality, just having any doubt of skepticism in the back of your head. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, what other cryptos have you like looked into? Um, are you talking about like weird off the wall ones or are you talking about like Michigan in a specific? Any, any, I don't care. I, I love, dude, I love talking cryptids. So this weird one, just because I was trying to find the most random off the wall cryptid I could possibly find. It was in Madagascar. There's this like, what are they fucking calling it? It was like the, um, it's some kind of like plant that has like tentacles that has like a big mouth, almost like that fucking thing from Jumanji. And uh -huh. it was an, it was a legend that it would eat. A bunch. I don't remember. Would they be Aboriginals in in Madagascar? Whatever yeah. they're called. Yeah, I think it'd be Aboriginals too. But um, yeah, they 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 would like this thing. Would they they pretty much be walking past it? It looked like a normal plant, and then they would claim that it would just like fucking grab people with these like whatever you want to call them, like tentacle you looking arms, and just mm -hmm. like pull them in and start eating them and shit. And uh, I don't know. I just I, I found that one fascinating because it's like there's not necessarily like modern encounters with this thing. But theoretically, it would make sense that there wouldn't be modern encounters because if there was ancient encounters of a plant that was able to eat people, which even going back to like prehistoric times, there's a bunch of plants that supposedly like ate, you know, like meat. Like there's still, there still are. Meat. There's still parts of the jungle that have plants that eat fucking uh, like baby monkeys and shit. Yeah. See, so it's like who's to say that it's really that far off that there wasn't a plant that was capable of eating people. And theoretically, if they knew these things existed, what would happen? Just as people, we would hunt them into extinction. 
Mm-hmm. So there's a good solid reason why they may not exist now, but they could have theoretically existed in the past, but we hunted them to extinction because who the fuck wants to be walking in the woods and take a risk of a fucking plant grabbing you and trying to fucking eat you. <laughs> yeah. That reminds me of, it was an old movie slash musical called Rocky Horror Picture Show. Fucking and love Rocky Horror Picture yeah, Show. Yeah. That plant that would grow and get big. And, and Oh, wait, that's a uh, no, little I'll, shop of horrors. Li- little shop of horrors. Sorry. Rocky Horror Picture yeah. Show is the ones with the fucking... Well, I don't even want to say I love it. It's just off the wall. It's just one of those yeah. things you watch at Halloween, but it's like the trainee one with fucking what's his name? Um, ah. Fuck what? I'm on my brain farting on his name. Um, something Curry. Is it Curry? I forget. But yeah, the guy who plays the original it. That we'll just we'll just make it easy yeah. for everybody and say that. But yeah, a little shop of horrors with the fucking plant. <laughs> yep, and it's grabbing people and eating them and, and and this and that. And who knows? Maybe that's where they got the idea from. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, too, like looking at like human or uh, what are they called? The Venus flytraps. Mm-hmm. Like things change through time. So like theoretically, there could have been like a like a parent plant and it branched out into different plants, almost like, you know, there being like 30 different types of finches, for example. Mm-hmm. Like maybe one of the offshoots of a Venus flytrap that was one of like wherever its parent plant came from could have been something way bigger that didn't eat bugs, but it ate fucking people. And that could have been an evolutionary thing too, because maybe if they're getting hunted into extinction because they were eating people because they're so fucking huge, maybe they evolved to start being smaller and eating smaller prey that they it like, you know, survive. Yeah, I was say not that it knew it, that it was coming after, but it would just adapt to be able to take on smaller prey so that it would be able to live and be more hidden. You know, I tried growing one of those things when I was younger. Man, they are hard. They they're like a mushroom almost. They need like the absolute perfect condition in order to survive. You know, yeah, I'm an OG right when it comes to the mushrooms. Venus flytraps are weird though, because they technically yeah. only eat once per head. And then after the head dissolves it and opens again and starts turning red, you're supposed to remove that head. That's Oh, see, I never knew that. So maybe that's why mine always died. Yeah, that's what it's supposed to be is that like a lot of people will kill them off because they'll leave all the old heads. And the way plants work um, that I even learned from the cannabis industry is that if there's dead parts of the plant like say you have like a sunflower for example and like the lower yeah you you start removing those bad leaves because it's gonna take way less energy for the plant to create a new leaf versus trying to fix those old half dead Mm -hmm. leaves so your venus flytrap same thing like it's only intended to eat once and then after that it starts turning this red color and then when it turns the red color you remove it and then a new growth will start so it's like a continuous cycle plant versus being like a plant that's always there and continuously does the same thing because it'll gotcha. just keep popping up, you know? That makes sense. You know what I mean? Because it's same with, you know, gardening, you know, with a tomato plant, you pick off what they call the suckers and, and you get yellow leaves, you cut them off, you know what I mean? Because you don't want it drawn, you know, extra new, trying to pull nutrients out of the ground to fix that. You want it to go to, to the tomato itself. So it, it, it grows, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then like, it's the same with a lot of vegetables and pot plants included too, um, that, when it gets towards the end of its cycle where it's producing fruit, you remove a good majority of the leaves because rather than it trying to waste the energy on those leaves, it'll push everything in that last push into the fruit. So even same thing with like tomato plants, I'm sure too, that when it starts Mm -hmm. getting towards the end of the cycle, if you remove a good amount of the leaves, I'm sure it'll push a lot more energy into the fruit and it'll end up with bigger fruit. Oh, totally. Yeah. Talking about cryptids and we hopped on to hunting up fucking plants, but yeah. <laughs> hey, dude, it, it, it's all good, man. I love jumping all over the place. I told you that. You're like, well, what do you want to talk? Dude, I go all over. I don't give a fuck. That's me too. I hate being like structured because again, yeah. because like 
whoever fucking knew we'd hop on to just some random shit talking about cryptid plants like that's totally exactly. fucking off the wall <laughs> yeah um have you ever looked into uh the rake oh um are those okay so i may or may not have a rake story myself okay. but the description of like what you're seeing as a rake they're supposed to be these like tall um uh, like almost like decrepit cannibalistic looking like people right yeah real thin though and they kind of sometimes go on all fours and some sometimes not so i had this encounter story and from what i've heard from different people that i've told the story to that's usually what they think that it is but i guess before you get into your whole thing about it i'll just tell you the story real quick oh, it's not please too do. Long. but i used to go to this place called uh, northville psychiatric hospital it was like an abandoned psychiatric hospital that i used to urban exploring shit before they tore it down so i'd been in there ridiculous amount of times like i got to the point where it's like multiple buildings on like a pretty good area of land. Like there's like a gym area. There's like dorm looking areas. Cause it was like a mental hospital. So they kind of had like housing and everything there. Um, so I'm in the main building and I finally say, fuck it. You know, there's these tunnels that are supposed to connect all of Northville underneath them. And part of the entrance to the tunnels in the basement to this, um, hospital. So I'd never been down there because it's like fucking pitch black no lights anything like that and i just didn't want to be like halfway through the tunnels and have my flashlight die and have to find my way back in the pitch yeah. black so uh the one time i decide fuck it i'm gonna go down there i'm gonna check this shit out at least kind of walk in a little bit see what it is so i go down in the basement and i start peeking into just like little random rooms and shit so this building has a lot of weird stories behind it like there was multiple times where people fell down elevator shafts and died and the mm. elevator doors are basically closed so it's like somebody would have to force themselves in there to do so and there was always just these like weird occult symbols everywhere like who fucking knows bro and it has to do with that shit of like stuff manifests when people intend for it to manifest right but um just coming from the whole aspect of it being a psychiatric hospital and some of the legends i've heard of wraiths where they're more like um like they're normal people and then they resort to cannibalism and then that's when they start kind of like taking on a whole different structure and physique which I could definitely see with like a psychiatric patient possibly. But anyways, I'm in this basement. I walk into the room, this little offcut side room. There's like one of those little like, like buggy looking cart fucking things or whatever. It was like a silver cart and it all happened really quick. So like I'm trying to place whether or not it was like a bed buggy cart or just like a metal cart. Mm -hmm. Um, But I walk into this room and there's me and my two friends, my girlfriend and her friend. And I hear in my right ear, I want to, yeah, it was my right ear. I heard run. And as I heard that, it was just like this weird, whispery, creepy voice where that buggy is. I see something stand up and it's super tall, lanky, almost like white skin, like long black hair, like not all over its body, just on the top of its head, kind of mm-hmm. like scraggly and like gross looking. And it stands up. And as I'm seeing this, I'm like instant in shock, fucking take off, start running. And the two people that are with me are like, why are you running? Like, what the fuck? And I'm just like, just run, 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 run. Let's get the fuck out of here. But uh, she was taking random pictures and like as we're running away and I caught this like wispy looking thing that looks like the thing I saw. But from the descriptions that I've heard, it almost sounds like like a like a like I possibly could have seen a wraith in this place. Like that's probably my one solid encounter that I always like to share. Dude, that that's creepy as hell. Dude, it scared the shit out of me. Like, we went fucking home right after that. And ironically, that same fucking night, I don't know if you get into the shadow people concept, but... I've uh, seen one. Yeah, so 
you know what I'm talking about. We walk in the front door, my girlfriend and I, um, she goes to go, we, or we both go upstairs, we come back down and when we come down, she walks into the kitchen. And when you walk into the kitchen, you walk past the front room and there's like a couch right there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we both saw this shadow that looked like the shape of a person, but people that know about shadow people can just kind of know this description, but it's like a shadow that's dark enough that light doesn't make it through it. So it's like very clearly a solid body shadow. And yes. she walks right past it, staring at it like in one of those shock moments where it's just kind of like, what do you do? You react or you just keep going. So she's staring at it. I'm staring at it. We're both staring at it. And then we look at each other and we look back and it's gone. We're like, what the fuck? Did you just see that? And she's I like, hope. yeah, I saw that. I'm like, uh, let's go upstairs. And that was the same night that we got home from that Wraith encounter. So I don't know if it was Wraith or something else, but I definitely feel like something followed us. And that's what that may have been. Damn. Can I share my screen for a second? Yeah. Uh, let me see. Start to pop Is this up. what you saw? I just see Ghost has started screen sharing, but nothing's on there yet. Oh, okay. There we go. It's kind of running um, a little behind. I, I've always kind of like seen that as like a like a skinwalker personally, but it describes the body shape, yes, but with like long, lanky, like greasy looking hair. You know what I mean? Okay. Like almost like that. Uh, let's see. For for the for the audio listeners, um, that want to know what we're looking at, uh, look at the logo for my show and the creepy skinwalkery break, whatever you want to call it, looking thing. That that's exactly the picture that we're looking at. If anybody you know wants to look into it, know what we're looking at. Yeah, they're they're fucking creepy looking. Yeah, but they look like like lanky, like. Can ex cannibalistic like and I don't even want to say ex because they'd be currently cannibalistic type yeah. people, almost like like a zombie ghost. Yeah, and I mean it would make sense because there's a lot of legends about like once you turn to cannibalism, you start taking on these different physiques, and mm-hmm. a lot of like the Native American legend refers to like things looking like this, where it's like decrepit, um, never seen sc- sun looking skin, and they start just taking on these more like animalistic creepy fucking dark ambiance to them you know what i mean totally it's like no i'm good so here's see they don't have many good pictures of the skinwalkers are hard because it's like the solid body that people depict like it started off where that last thing we're looking at is what i always envisioned as a skinwalker when it's like in its true form but then like the more recent stuff they kind of give them these like deer head characteristics Mm-hmm. Then at the same time, though, like just from the description of skinwalkers, they're almost like chameleon type. So it's like maybe it's impossible to find pictures of them because people describe them in so many different ways because they kind of chameleon themselves to whatever's fitted. Because I've heard like skinwalker stories of them looking like people from like the 1800s and they'll just turn yeah. at somebody, make some loud screech and just start running at them on all fours and shit. Yeah, yeah, totally. And And I think you're right with that because so many people do have you know, different encounters. Now, granted, it, it, it is originated with the Navajo Indian, but there is... Uh, See, that's where, the, where does the legend go back to, though? Because what would be first, the Bible or Navajo legend? Because the Bible refers to Nimrod. I don't know if you've heard this whole mm-hmm. spiel before, but yeah, Nimrod being the first one that wore somebody else's skin, which would have been Adam's skin. So it makes me wonder, what come, came first, the Navajo legend or... The connection that people are starting to make now biblically with Nimrod wearing Adam's skin. Yeah, that's a good question. I I honestly 
I don't know because I'm I'm mixed on that with when it comes to the to the Bible. You know what I mean? I I honestly think some of these Native American stories and and other Native stories are much older than the Bible, and they seem more like how do I describe it? Like I don't want to say like primitive, but in a way primitive, where it's like the Nimrod concept. He's wearing another human skin. And he doesn't necessarily like transform where like the Navajo legends of skinwalkers are they'll wear like uh, like animal skin and start taking on characteristics of like the animals. And they have these different um, like ways that you can become one where you're supposed to kill a close family member. And it just seems like uh, like it may be two different things with the same name, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then here's the Rougarou. For people so, yeah. that uh don't, ha- or because th- this show is just almost audio has a, at the moment, yeah, but almost has a dogman type. Yeah, it's like the best way to describe a ruguru for people that don't know what a ruguru is. Imagine like the concept of like a like a dogman or a bigfoot, but rather than it being ape like or dog like, it's like a like a hairy kangaroo like. Yeah, like, it's that's got like long, big like pointy bat ears like but you, it doesn't have it doesn't have like a muzzle of a dog though you know what i mean so it's weird like if you mixed a dog with a kangaroo with a human or like a bigfoot just like like a big build characteristic of like a upright standing creature like that's that's probably the best way to describe it it's a carries characteristics i'd say of all three but i can definitely see like a like the kangaroo shape as far as like the muzzle goes, like you were describing, but like the rest of the head is almost like dog-like. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the Pukwudgie? I've recently heard about that. They're supposed to be like these little like um, like porcupine looking creatures, right? Yeah. When I, uh, when I posted uh, booking uh, guests for, um, for, for July, I, I actually used a Pukwudgie uh, for, the, for, for the backdrop. I think but, yeah, I remember they're... seeing you use like that the like uh they have these like little yeah that like the one that you you just had your cursor on this one yeah where it's like a drawing yep. of one I think I yep. remember seeing that somewhere on one of your things you posted yeah so these are actually if if you want to get native to certain areas these are native to Massachusetts and mainly the Bridgewater Triangle. They remind me of like an offshoot of like a like a gnome or like an elf because I guess you could put uh-huh. like gnomes and elves in the same category. Um, yeah. They look like a more primal, animalistic version of like a gnome or yeah, or like an, like a small elf. That's that's the one I used right there. Yep, there's the one. Yep. They almost look like a uh, fuck. What's that dude's name? The guy from Street Fighter. The guy that looks like a oh like, beast. Like, Park Gorilla. Yeah, that fucking dude. They kind of have like yeah. the same hairstyle as like that guy, if anybody knows who we're talking about. <laughs> exactly. Dude, I haven't I haven't played that game in fucking years. <laughs> Oldie but a goodie, man. Hell yeah. That and Tekken. Fuck yeah, Tekken. And then you got to hit Mortal Kombat in that list too. <laughs> yes. Because I'm yes. not big into video games like I used to be, but if there's one game series that I go out of my way every time they release a new one to get, it's usually Mortal Kombat just because I've been playing nice. that shit since I was a kid back on Sega Genesis. <laughs> so... I- did you like the the newest movie or how'd you feel about it? I never ended up getting around to watching it, to be honest with you. Cause it's like, I heard good and bad both ways. So sometimes like 
when it comes to certain movies, it's one of those things that I kind of just will like purposely leave it where it's at because I don't want to have like a good or a bad taste in my mouth about it. I like enjoy the games. So I just kind of like I'm content leaving it at that. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, I've watched a good majority of them. It was it was OK. I mean, it, they they could have done a little bit better here and there. But, you know, for the first one in I don't know how many years, you know what I mean? Everybody's like in the Mortal Kombat, you know, I grew up with the original coming out on Sega and Super NES and what have you. And it's like, yeah, finally. And I don't play much video games either, but right now I am so hooked because back in the day on Nintendo and then then Game Boy, they had a game called Metroid. Well, Fuck yeah, like, Metroid. Yeah. I just made a new one of those recently too. Metroid Dread. Yeah, that's what I'm playing. My my daughter let me borrow her uh, her uh, Nintendo Switch, and she's like, "Yeah, I have I I got Metroid. It looked cool." And I'm like, "That's funny you did that." I said, "That that's one of my all time favorite games." So I've been sitting here playing. Like even before uh, when you when you said, "Hey, I'm running a little bit late," I'm like, "All good." I was sitting there. That's what I was playing, <laughs> and I've been playing it so much that I I've been having fucking weird dreams about these alien creatures, and like I'd be out like foraging for mushrooms, and all of a sudden they turn into these like alien things and they're chasing me and trying to grab me and shit and i'll wake up and i'll be telling my wife she's like i think you need to take a break on the game for a little bit i'm like yeah kind of maybe so dude coming from an old school gamer though like nintendo switch is phenomenal like i don't care about any of the new systems because i miss the old school way of gaming where it was like couch sitter two controllers like uh-huh. all the new systems like there's very few games you can do that with where switch yeah. almost every game you can play co-op which is when it comes to video games bro like i'm not playing by myself i'm mainly playing when people are over so that's what i want and then just the whole concept of just nintendo bringing back all the classics like they recently made a nintendo controller and a sega genesis controller so that you can play the classic games on switch with the classic controllers and it's just like oh, bro nice like they're speaking to everybody like late 20s and up with a nintendo mm-hmm. switch and then all the new systems are rent for like the people younger than that you know <laughs> oh totally yeah when when dude when she, i was like can i borrow this for a while she's like yeah i don't play it all that often i was like okay and yeah oh I'm super fucking hooked and i'm sitting there and i'm even using like old terminology because i'll get stuck in something so i'll go to youtube be like how to get spider ball and spider ball was like you know the when you could turn into a ball and then like climb up the walls and stuff well apparently yeah. they don't call it spider ball anymore it's called something different <laughs> but, <laughs> but it still pops up and works though because it knows and yeah. it's like knows the classic gamers that's what you're going for you know exactly and and it's funny my wife will look over at me she'll see me on my phone sometimes at night she's like you cheating i'm like babe i've been stuck on this fucking world <laughs> for like three weeks now and I, i'm not getting anywhere i just need something to just give me a little push and then then i'll get it and then next thing you know i'm like unlocking this unlocking that and unlocking this and unlocking that and right now i'm at one of the i'm close to the, the final end boss of of the whole game and i've been fighting this other pre you know a boss before him and normally these ones they're pretty easy this one you know, it was, it's kicking my ass a little bit. I, I, I got to admit, I'm like, motherfucker, it spits this fucking black goo out at you and it, it follows you. It's like, whoa, I'm going to fucking wreck you once one of these days. Talk about old school gamers versus new school gamers, too, dude. Like new school games, like you're fighting a boss, you die, you respawn. It's fine. So it's like new school gamers aren't looking up how to beat a boss because they're not used to playing the same boss method as we were, where it's like. Right. Our old boss method is like checkpoint before the boss starts and you have to take out that boss, which is one fucking life. And you're going to continuously play that fucking part and restart until you get past it. So like the old school gamers will look up a tutorial on how to beat a boss 
where it's like the new school gamers that doesn't cross their mind because their whole concept of playing is like, oh, I'll die. I'll respawn. That boss will still have half life and I'll just continue at it. Mm -hmm. So it's like totally different method of thinking when it comes to that. Completely. And that's where I give the 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 Metroid Dread creators is they threw it back to that. Now, it now if you die, the boss comes back full power again. But so do you. But you still kind of have to they kind of do it to a point where they're just hard enough and, and do different things that you're like, okay, something's not working because the strategy I used on a boss similar to this on a, a you know a couple levels back isn't fucking working. So let me go look for a tutorial on it. And 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 you're right. You know, it's kind of like the old oh Nintendo Power came out with their their whole write-up on, you know. Pick, pick a game from, from from you know what you were playing back in the day and you're like couldn't wait to get it and you're like oh yeah cool it's it, you know like having the cheat codes there and it's like oh okay but at that point this, it's this. more like strategy rather than being yeah. like a cheat code because i don't know about you but i'll avoid like the tutorials that are like if you stand in this spot the game glitches and you can just keep hitting the guy oh, and you yeah. won't be able to do anything like no, i don't I like those that. ones i like the ones where it's like this is the strategy to fight him you like hit him when he does this and then you avoid him when he does this and then as soon as he like you know, takes like a breather and like stands back for a second. That's when you jump in and attack him. And then as soon as he like bows down, then you got to jump back. Like I like doing that strategy versus just like, yes. here's the cheat spot code that the game's fucked up. <laughs> Absolutely. That, that it, you couldn't, you couldn't have spoke my language any, any better. You know, I mean? it's, it's like, like, you like the challenge. You don't want it to be like that easy, you know? Yeah, exactly. Cause then, you know, like you watch the tutorial and it's like, okay, that, okay. I unlock this and that, that's how I do it. And then you don't watch one for a while and, and you're going through and you're learning, you're picking up all these new parts and, and, and new powers and abilities. And you're just like, yeah, fuck out. I'm fucking rocking it. You know, I finally got all this cool shit. And then now I'm, I'm to a point where I got all this cool shit, but it's still not enough. You know what I mean? I, I still yeah. need more. <laughs> got to go back and, you know, you play the game through and then you go back and you get the rest of the shit. Oh yeah. Oh, totally. I remember doing that when, when, uh, when it was on game boy, I finally, Beat the beat the end boss, and I was so so freaking excited. And then I just went back level to level, and I climbed every little thing, blowing up little bombs, looking for every item that 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 I might have missed. And you know, it, and it was still fun. You know what I mean? Because you still had to fight things, just didn't have the boss. Dude, talk about different like playstyle altogether. Anyways, too that like I don't play a lot of like modern games, but like my game when I was a kid was Sonic the Hedgehog. So mm-hmm. like. I'll be playing that with my daughter and, you know, she's, I can still beat her at video games, you know, cause she's only seven, but she's getting there. She's getting better at it and shit like that. So she's slowly starting to pick stuff up, but it's like, I'll pick up the classic like Sonic and I'm, I like will run through the fucking level in like a minute just because it's like became such second nature as a kid mm-hmm. and I won't get hit the whole time. I'll collect like 200 rings. I get 200 lives and my daughter's just looking at me like, wow, you know how to do that? Holy shit. <laughs> not in that exact wording but right I'm just like yeah because like that's my method of video games that i learned on so this is like my method the way i think where it's like the same shit that you know i'd play pac-man with my dad back in the arcade and my dad would whoop my ass at pac-man because that was like the play style that he was used to and mm-hmm. it was like i was a modern gamer and i could kick his ass at modern games but it's just like my brain wasn't wired to like think in that classic game style and right. it's like you see it now where like they'll bring back like the side-scroller style, like Sonic, all that kind of shit. And, like, the new-gen kids will suck at it. And then, like, the millennials will come in and start beating ass at it. Like, mm-hmm. and another one that I always like to point out, too, is that, uh, like, I had a bunch of Gen Zs I used to hang out with at my work or whatever. They all don't work there anymore. They got laid off from that whole firing thing I was talking about. 
but uh, they used to always pretty like say as like a joke because they come over to our house and play Mario Kart. They're like, never fuck with millennial with Mario Kart. They will whoop your fucking yeah. ass. And every single time we play Gen that X shit, in there too. Yeah, Gen <laughs> X too, dude. Like every single time we play that dude, like they kick my ass at every game, like to the point where I'd get pissed off, you know, because you just get frustrated when you keep losing. You want to rage quit. Yeah, and then we put on Mario Kart, bro, and my girlfriend and I would be like first place back and forth, shit like that, and all of them would be like fucking seventh, eighth place, and they're like, fuck you guys, how are you doing this? How are you good at this? And I'm like, I've been playing Mario Kart since I was fucking three, dude. Come at me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I remember playing the very first Mario Kart. Oh, so addicting. And right? That's another one that, that she actually sent with, with the Switch and what have you is the Mario Kart. And I, I was playing around with it, but I, I just got super hooked on this this Metroid because, I mean, it, it took me back. It's taken me back to my childhood. You know what I mean? I can't. That's can't where I'm at with Mario it. Kart. I just don't play it online, bro, because those people in Japan are a whole other level. Like, oh. every every time you play Mario Kart online, the first, like, six places will always be all Japanese flags. And then all the American people, even the best fucking American players, are, like, not shit compared to these fucking Japanese players. Damn. Like they almost need to make a server on Nintendo, no matter what game, every fucking game Nintendo makes where it's a Japanese server. And then the rest of the world server, just right. so let they can like make it fair. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like, give us a chance here. Yeah. Like fuck dude, or at least put me in with like the shitty beginner Japanese people. Cause they'd probably still be better than all the Americans, but at least I feel like I was at least kind of keeping up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Put me in with the, the three-year-olds that are playing it. You know what I mean? I, I don't, I don't want to <laughs> play with people my age. Yeah. They're just going to whip me and make me feel bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh shit. But, but uh, bouncing off onto some weird shit, a little bit yeah. everywhere. Um, definitely would love to have you come back on the show, hopefully sooner rather than later, but oh, uh, absolutely. One way I like to start wrapping up the show is uh, words of wisdom from the guests to the listeners. So if there is anything you'd like to bestow on the listeners, what would it be? Be patient, be calm. Everything will always work out for the better. And it, something that was said to me a long time ago, failure is fertilizer. You can't grow unless you fail and learn from those mistakes. You know, it, it, even like if you want to start a podcast, you're not going to be the best at it right out the gate. You're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes, but that's how you grow and you get better. You know, it's simple as that. What's that uh, well, old saying that the master has failed more times than the beginner has even tried. Yep. And the exactly. only way to become a master is to fail because if everything goes right from the get go, you're not really going to learn the problem solving aspect that goes into things where if you fail multiple times, then you use that as fuel to be able to like piece things together in the future like this got fucked up last time and i did this so then you're it just it helps with the whole concept of like problem solving too to fail because again then you know what not to try the following time exactly and, and pay attention to your history folks you know i, I don't know I, this is more towards your your younger audience um because if you start erasing history you are definitely doomed to repeat it and and we're seeing it now like a That's why I always buy books, not to cut you yeah. off, but books, because the Internet can be changed at any time. Exactly. You know, it, it, you see it now, like with Antifa and coming out, you know, that's no different than than, you know, Nazi Germany, you know, with 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 their Hitler youth and, 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 and this and that, you know, all they're doing is just fucking repeating old things that apparently people can't fucking keep a, a, a thought in their head for more than four fucking minutes you know they're on to something new and it's like come on guys you know pay attention you know and the, and the hitler youth haircut even came back you know where where it's 
you know, shaved, they, they have it parted a little bit of hair on top, you know, and the definitive line with just a little bit of hair here. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there looking, I'm like, why are all these people getting these kids getting these haircuts? I've seen that somewhere. And then I was like, yo, the Hitler youth, that's the Hitler youth haircut. <laughs> and none of these kids even fucking knew it. Like even my, my, my stepson at one point even had, I'm like, you do know that's a Hitler youth haircut. And he looked it up and he's like, oh, I guess I'm growing this out. <laughs> I was like, please do Dude, It's like everybody in every generation had their own defined style. That was dramatically different than the decade before them. And mm-hmm. then we hit the 2000s. There was the 2000 style. And then after that, now it just seems like all the styles are just repeats of old things, but people don't know where they came from. And it clearly shows that people don't connect two and two because like people look at conspiracy theories and be like, what are you some kind of like Oracle? You're trying to guess the future. And it's like, no, bro, we just pay attention to the past and we see things that repeat. And mm-hmm. just the fact of like styles that people don't know where they come from just shows that like the average person isn't curious about the origin of things. It's no a very distinct type of person. And coming from one of those people, it's like hard to imagine people that aren't like that. Like, why would you want not want to know the origin and root of like almost anything you're doing? Cause you don't know what you could be promoting if you don't know what the fuck it is. Right. Like uh the fucking ice cream truck song. The do 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 hate that thing. Dude, the <laughs> original version of that, listen, this is fucked up because people don't look into shit, is uh N-word water and watermelon. And if you like, there's literally, it was like from like the 1930s or something like that. And it was like a racial song that the joke was pretty much like ice creams for white people, black people can't afford things. So N-word want a watermelon. And that became the ice cream truck song and they dropped the words. So it's like, people don't know the origin of shit. You're literally listening to a racist ass fucking song every single time you're the ice cream truck, but you don't know where it came from. So it loses its meaning, even though it has an awful meaning to the song. (laughs) I, I never knew that. But now I think that's why I've always hated that song. Like the moment I would hear it, I'd be like, I fucking hate that song. Like, and I I just didn't know why my wife's like, dude, why? It's just a song. I'm like, I don't know. I just fucking hate it. It's annoying. And now that you say that. Look it up. You'll never run here. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Even mini, mini, miny, mo. It was not catch a tiger by the toe. It was catch an Edward by the toe. If he hollers, let him go. Any, mini, miny, mo. Like. All these little children's rhymes, bro, are a lot more fucked up than people realize. Oh, like, completely. Even, uh, what's Ring it? Around Ring Around the, the Rosie. Yeah, it's about the <laughs> yeah. fucking Black Plague and people are just yeah. singing it. And it's like, for people that don't know, let's break it down here just because before we wrap up the show, I think it'd be a fun thing to do. So you got oh, hell yeah. Ring Around the Rosie because they thought that, what was it? Rose bushes would like save you from the Black Plague. Mm-hmm. Pockets full of posies because they also better. thought that, yeah, it would make you smell better when you're starting to rot. And then ashes, ashes, because you'd have to burn the bodies. Otherwise, it would spread. And then we all fall mm-hmm. down means we all die. Like yeah. people are just singing that shit. And it's all just dark ass meanings. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, and, and for your listeners, you just go go look into the Brothers Grimm. You'll get some really good uh, nursery rhymes that really dark rooted meanings of, you know, I believe that's where we got Hansel and Gretel from. Yep. I would say and, I got and a whole bunch of others. I've been crazy into that for a long time and finding the original stories like mm-hmm. Cinderella was one Rumpelstiltskin, Hansel and Gretel. Um, fuck there. More, more fairy tales than you would believe are actually grim fairy tales and oh, the yeah. original grim fairy tales. Like the whole concept of like the fairy tales was pretty much to scare kids to not do things. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about like, Oh, here's a cute little fairy tale. It was like, don't go fuck with a random house in the middle of the woods because there's a fucking witch and she's going to eat you. 
Exactly. Cinderella too. Like the, they leave it out in the Disney version, of course, but the sisters are determined to get with the prince. So in the actual story, they cut their toes off and they cut their heels off trying to fit in the glass slipper and the glass mm-hmm. slipper fills with blood. And that's when the prince is like, no, you're not her because these aren't your clearly your fucking shoes. And then at right. the end of it, because you know how she can like control animals, whatever the fuck you want to say with it there, she ends up leaving as like a happy ending. But as the happy ending happens, she pretty much like, asks a bunch of birds to like attack her stepsisters and her stepmom and they all get pecked to death by birds uh-huh. it's like totally fucking left out of like the modern <laughs> rendition exactly <laughs> which which is surprising that disney actually even left that out with how dark and fucking twisted they are yeah right like uh fucking sleeping beauty too that was another one too mm-hmm. that was like really fucking dark too and uh yeah. rapunzel was also super duper dark yeah. and they try to make it in these like little happy disney tales when it's like yeah no, dude, like the original uh, Sleeping Beauty, there was like pretty much like a witch that was pissed off that she didn't get invited to the party. So she like hexed this girl to pretty much die at like a certain age and shit like that. And then one of the other witches, whatever you want to call them, fairies, pretty much like tried to lessen the curse and make it so that she would fall into a slumber at a certain age and shit like that. And yeah, it's just way fucking darker. And they just try to leave out the dark details, which is weird because yeah. you think Disney would leave in like dark magic and witches and shit <laughs> yeah and they just hide it in different ways so so people don't catch it right away true true because you got to pretend like you're humble and family oriented if you're disney yes, and, and woke yeah always woke every single yeah. disney movie has to have some type of woke thing in it and oh, for yeah. people don't want to believe that just look at uh enchanto enchanto however the fuck you say it there's the sister who's buff and it's like look between the lines bro it's supposed to be a mm-hmm. fucking trans lady and they're yeah. trying to normalize that shit in your kids movies Mm-hmm. And also or, rejecting parents. That's another one I like to push oh, out too. Big time. Is yes. Like fuck your family, do your own thing, which certain families, I guess it's viable if like you have a shitty family, but the families mm-hmm. that actually care about you and are trying to help you out in this world are like, the ones going to Disney. Yeah. They're, they're the ones that are getting shit on by all that shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know, man. It's having and, a kid. And here's one for your listeners. Just go out, go to your local supermarket, wherever you can buy a gift card. Go get the new Disney uh, gift card. There's a BBC right on it, a big blue cock, right, right, staring in Minnie's mouth, and you you can't you can't not see it. I'm shocked that it wasn't just fucking rainbow background. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> it's like, oh, look at that. It, it, but, uh, it, it's been weird that they went from this transition of like when we were kids, little girls wore rainbows. And now it's like little girls mm-hmm. can't wear rainbows because that's not the message that it means. Well, anymore. and that that even got hijacked from from Christianity. I mean, the rainbow was supposedly God's way of saying he'll never flood the earth again. You know, that's why you see a rainbow. And now they've hijacked that into what it is today. You know, it, the swastika swastika didn't start out as anything bad you know hitler hijacked that now you know you can't use that so you take a good symbol and then you turn it to the left a little bit because that's the same mm-hmm. thing that happened with uh the swastika because it's supposed to be originally peace and hope and mm-hmm. also with the pentagram because originally mm-hmm. it was a pagan symbol that the five points stood for the four elements and then spirit so mm-hmm. christians trying to demonize paganism of course because during that the whole movement and everything what do they do they turn to the side say it looks like a ram which is the devil which is this and they totally like demonize the symbol that was never intended to be a bad symbol it was supposed to be again like the four elements in spirit which yeah. if you're spiritual like still holds true to today like a five-point star if you draw it the right way like that's still what it means you know yep and that goes back to the whole lie of saint patrick stomping out the uh snakes that never were in ireland 
The snakes were the pagans and the druids. Dude, I always bring that shit up. I love being the one that crashes holidays for people. Yeah. They're like, oh my God, this is what it means. It's like, nope, nope, nope. It was a hijacked holiday. Here's the real meaning. <laughs> yeah. But, but I guess uh, before we get too far off track again and start up a whole other conversation too, which we can do on the next show, of course. Absolutely. Um, for anybody that was interested, love this conversation, which I'm assuming that they did because it was a great conversation. Uh, where can they come find you at? Uh, you can find me at My Third Eye Podcast on every major uh, podcatcher out there. Uh, you find me on Instagram at My Third Eye Podcast. You can email me at My Third Eye Pod at gmail.com. Also, have a link tree, um, linktr.re or however you do it. My Third Eye Podcast. It has everything in there um, how to get a hold of me, you know, if you want, you know, everywhere, Telegram, whatever. Um, but the easiest way to, to really find me. Instagram, hit me up. If if you guys have any information for me or, or want to be a guest, I, dude, I, I'm down to chop anything up with any topic. Um, that goes twice for me also. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously you saw it here today. I mean, we, we started with, so how'd you get into podcasting to uh, Disney and, and cryptids and a whole <laughs> bunch of other stuff? So, but yeah, that, that that's pretty much where you can find me. You can go over to patreon.com forward slash my third eye podcast. You can get all uh all the talk at the taverns full episodes and hopefully soon coming will be uh more bonus content so um yeah uh, hopefully uh when this this is released maybe some bigger and better things will be coming down the pike with uh hopefully an affiliation so who knows say and who knows where uh we all might be at that point with um open minds media and all that kind of stuff expanding so there's a lot of cool news that if it hasn't already come out by the time this episode comes, there's a lot more to come. So awesome. Keep an eye on yeah, all the open minds media creators. Yeah, and I, I I can't wait to 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 hear and see more from from everybody over there as well. And we'll definitely have to uh, put you up as one of the featured creators. Like you know, th- it's still building up. Where hopefully we'll get a lot more Instagram followers and stuff. But it's always cool to do shit like that because it just kind of oh, like yeah. gets the word out about people. Um, I do like a mini bio with it where it's just five little questions. So if anybody's interested. Not only do you get to find new shows, but you also get a brief description of who the creator is doing the show so that you can kind of get to know people on a personal level and kind of like connect with people and be like, oh, I like this guy's views. I like why he's doing his show. So just kind of helps with just making that more personal connection to the listeners. And that's kind of what we're trying to go for. Absolutely. And I can't thank you enough for for inviting me on for the the ride and the journey that is and and got to give a big fuck you to. you know who so <laughs> see i haven't been trying to drop names but i definitely feel that way also <laughs> yeah <laughs> but thanks for having me again and uh we'll hook up you know on my end as well and yeah this was fun man and you know you will talk about anything and everything i i, I don't give a shit <laughs> of course and after this episode man i feel like we'll be doing a lot more stuff together in the future oh yeah definitely <laughs> So, but uh, for everybody that enjoyed the show, I hope you have a good night and I'll catch you on the next one. So have a good night, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.